0: xbox on welcome to xbox on a podcast with one host about one console xbox i'm said host jesse rosa and on today's episode we'll be talking about the latest xbox news for the week of july 13 2023 including the ftc's preliminary injunction has been denied and microsoft is now mostly clear to wrap up their activision purchase we have some new information on clockwork revolution as pertains to what kind of game it might be is diablo 4 coming to game pass anytime soon and much more This day in Xbox history, in the year 2016, seven years ago, Song of the Deep was released, download only for the Xbox One. This was uh, one of those uh, indie-type games that Insomniac was kind of toying around with in between that like weird period where they were playing around with being independent and owning their IP and not necessarily working with Sony after a long, long, long time relationship with Sony as a more second-party developer, and they made a couple of VR games, they made a couple of little indie 2D-style games, they made, uh, of course, Sunset Overdrive with Xbox, uh, yeah, so Song of the Deep, it was like a Metroidvania submarine kind of voyage game, published by Game Trust, who you might remember was the uh, short-lived GameStop publisher, uh was a pretty interesting thing they were trying to do for a while there back in the mid-2010s, and then that kind of fizzled out, but uh yeah, that's a little, like, nugget in time. It's, you know, 2016 to me still feels like it was, like, maybe two years ago, but you know, we're getting far removed from 2016 to the point where this is kind of just like a time capsule, thinking about back when GameStop was pu- trying to publish games, and Insomniac was not a first-party Sony owned studio, making, you know, trying to branch out away from Sony a little bit, and make some different kinds of games and, and things like that. It's just a very weird time but yeah this is one of the few insomniac developed games that uh exists on xbox song of the deep never played it heard it was pretty good but uh shout out to that game all right guys welcome to xbox on episode 215 man oh man i was uh, i was like getting ready to hit record feeling good and then uh my girlfriend's like hey can you can you connect the xbox headset to the Xbox in the living room so I can play Cuphead while you record. And I'm like, sure. And, of course, you know, I I actually was more like, ah, fuck me. I have to do that because, dude, I swear to God, that Xbox, the Xbox headset, like the, the wireless, like Microsoft published, developed, whatever, the internal Microsoft wireless headset that thing is so cool when it's connected and it's working. It's a great headset. It's got those Microsoft surface like dials for adjusting like the ambient noise slash game noise and then the volume on the other one. And it's like it's really comfortable. It's lightweight. It's a really great headset. I love using it, but holy hell, the process of changing that thing to be paired from my PC to my Series S to my Series X, which is something I actually do a lot with this headset is a fucking nightmare and it sucks because like I swear one of the, like one of the things they advertise with this headset is like oh yeah you compare it to like I think it's like at least two devices but I swear that feature never works it's like every time I turn it on my series s turns on but I need to use it on my series x and the headset's so weird it's absolutely worth 90 the 99 dollars it costs it's it's a wonderful headset for everything except its ability to just seamlessly transition from one device to another and and be connected to multiple devices that's such a fucking pain in the ass, but it is a good headset if you're in the market. Anyway, I don't know why I'm bringing that up. It's just, it just it kind of it agitated me a little bit. I had to fuck around with my Series S for like five minutes to get that thing to work. <laughs> but it's all good. She's got the headset on. I could say anything I want right now. She can't hear me. She can't hear me. All right, we're good. So, guys, now that my girlfriend can't hear me, we can talk about all the crazy Dirty shit you would never want your girlfriend to hear about. Like, the notable games releasing this week, you guys. It's kind of a big one for Game Pass because Exo Primal, the Capcom developed game, is launching day and date on Game Pass. This uh, was Friday? Yeah, Friday, July 14th. Big release for Game Pass. So, it's a brand new $60 freaking horde shooting dinosaur game from Capcom. The guys that bring you Resident Evil. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a Game Pass title, so really good get for Game Pass. I know a lot of people are kind of like, meh on this game. In, in a time where Capcom is having a huge resurgence and it seems like everything they touch turns to gold, this seems to be the one thing in their arsenal as of late where people don't seem ex- extraordinarily excited about it and maybe the fact that it is a Game Pass game or it's a game that ended up in Game Pass has something to do with uh, Capcom's you know, less than confident attitude about how the game will be received and perform. I don't know, but I think the game looks kind of cool. It looks like a really fun, looks like a really fun game pass title to dabble in. Definitely something you'd want to maybe check out uh, pretty early on, just because why not? It might be there might be some some buzz about the game, and it looks like it could be a fun time with friends. But I already have the thing pre-downloaded. I'm definitely gonna check it out this weekend. See what um see what this uh, dinosaur. What is it? What's that game? I always forget the name of that weird Japanese game. There's a bunch of them on like PSP and usually they're on PlayStation but they're like Earth Defense Force or something like that where it's just like these it's it's like it's like a Musou meets like Godzilla where you just play as like mechs or ridiculous types of I don't know soldiers and you fight all sorts of bugs and giant monster creatures throughout various cities around the world. This game kind of has that energy but it's uh it's dinosaur fighting and they're time traveling through portals so i don't know i think it looks zany and goofy and wacky and to me that sounds like something we need more of in gaming i'm you know i don't know i was actually lamenting today on on twitter about how um i miss mercenaries 2 world of flames the uh the pandemic developed ea published game from back in 2008 uh just kind of how games were a coworker of my coworker uh, my and i were talking about just kind of how games like you know 15 years ago 20 years ago gaming was so much goofier it was, It seemed like the majority of games like the premise was like hey uh what would be like a fucking crazy ass over-the-top action idea that we could that you know that translate beautifully into a game and that was like kind of what we got it was stuff like a lot of stuff like what developer pandemic used to make like destroy all humans and and um and mercenaries and just game, crazy games like that and today it's like you know games have gotten so good with the storytelling and the cinematic feel and they're just so much more movie like that don't get me wrong those games are great and we love them and we need them but it's just like i feel like gaming is so serious now that there's a huge just lack of these games that are absurdly ridiculous over the top they're definitely not trying to be taken seriously I don't know. Like I, I understand we definitely do get those kinds of games, especially more so in the indie space, but I really lament an era where the first party was kind of ridiculous, over-the-top, nonsensical, just dumb, fun action games. I don't know. I, I, I've i been thinking about this a lot lately. I watched the... Uh, I guess we're here we are, our first tangent on the show. I watched the new Indiana Jones movie when it came out a couple weekends back. Uh, I won't spoil anything. I know generally, it seems like people are pretty like meh on it. It's not doing well at all at the box office. Uh, most of the reception seems to be that's bad. Personally, as someone who grew up familiar with Indiana Jones but didn't have a passion for Indiana Jones, I got to say, I thought the movie was a ton of fun. You know, it's not my favorite movie of all time. I'm not going to think about it for the rest of my life. But I thought the movie was a really good time. I, I had fun watching it from start to finish. And when it ended, it was like totally don't regret going to the movie theater on a Saturday night to spend two and a half hours of my life watching Indiana Jones for the for the fifth time, you know? And I felt the same way about the Flash movie that came out like a month ago. And I understand there's other controversies surrounding why people aren't super into that movie. But I don't know. I've just been like thinking about this a lot. I feel like I don't know what it is where it's like people just take – I don't mm, – it's like our entertainment and our art, there's such an expectation – in demand for it to be very serious and take itself very seriously for the most part. Like, our games have to be serious. We need a Last of Us. We need a game where the dad has a dead daughter and everything's dire and everyone, everyone's trying to survive in this gritty, disgusting, grim world, you know? And, like, we all demand that our games tell gripping stories like that, but we see it kind of translating to movies too where it's like Whoa, this Indiana Jones movie was so bad like the story was so was so, like what what are they doing why are they why does it have this plot twist why would they why would they put him in this scenario it's like I don't know man like don't you kind of just want things to be to be fun and the reason I bring up Indiana Jones is because again I, I don't I, I've i seen all the Indiana Jones movies especially as a child but like I, I didn't grow up like obsessed with Indiana Jones like thinking about it rewatching it not the way I like the way I'm familiar with Spider-Man or anything but like I don't know, like, don't – wasn't, like, Raiders of the Lost Ark or something like that, you know, a movie that everyone who's, like, 30 or 40-plus just, you know, claims to be obsessed with? Like, wasn't that movie just kind of absolutely, like, ridiculous and stupid, but wasn't that also, like, kind of what made it a great movie? Was that, like, like a fucking Nazi stares at some ancient artifact and his face melts off and looks stupid as hell, but it's, like, super fun and goofy and you're along for the ride? Like, I don't – I feel like it's, like, in some ways – what makes things fun and engaging hasn't changed. Like we still go for that ridiculous over the top, like this will be, this will be a crazy gag or a fun moment for the audience. And people are so hypercritical and overcritical of it to the point where it's like, either that stuff doesn't play well with audiences anymore, or creatives are afraid to go in that direction because they don't want to be criticized. And so we end up with like very soft, very, I don't know, like just very predictable kind of gritty realism and everything. And, I don't know. I, just, I feel like that's seeping over in the game. This isn't a very eloquently put-together argument. I haven't thought about it enough to, I guess, really make a point here. But I just feel like we're seeing so much of that kind of creep into gaming a little bit. And I don't, I don't love it because while I do love these games, like I played God of War 2018, it's a great game. I played, uh, you know, Gears 5 is the most serious a Gears of War has ever felt to me. It's a great game. Um, a lot of these games these days, just super, like, serious in tone and demeanor and all that, but... I don't know, man, like I, I kind of want a game to just be ridiculous and be over the top. And I understand you can ground something, you know, something ridiculous, take something that is ridiculous and ground it in a serious way. That's kind of what these games do, right? Because obviously in the real world, no one would take God of War or The Last of Us serious because it's unrealistic. It's all hell. But they try to tell such a real and gripping story in an otherwise, you know, ridiculous setting. And I just wish players were more, I don't know, I just feel like people need to be more open to like over the top ridiculous nonsense and it's always it just I don't know. I, I don't think I'm actually making a point, so I should just shut up now. But I I miss I guess what I'm trying to say is I miss Missionaries too. I want a game that doesn't try to have anything profound to say but is just not afraid to be stupid. And Exoprimal reminds me of stuff like that because this game is clearly not going to reinvent the mold or anything like that. But it's gonna be a dumb fun game where dinosaurs can teleport through time travel wormholes and you can just fight them in mass hordes and that's ridiculous and that's stupid and i'm you know i'm, I'm open for it i want i want something like that sometimes you know it doesn't always have to be like fucking i don't know what am i playing right now i'm playing for sona 5 these these anime japanese boys are so goddamn serious about high school it's, it's insane it's insane man i wouldn't have made it i would not be where i am today if i took high school half as serious as these kids do but that's an incoherent ramble, and uh, I guess kind of a signature move of the podcast. And so, if it's your first time ever listening to Xbox on, welcome. It doesn't. It literally doesn't get any better than that, and I mean that in the best way, and worst way, but mostly the, the worst way possible. So, uh, yep, Exoprimal come to Game Pass. Very well put. All right, guys. Activision updates. Put a hold on it. We'll, we'll get into it in the main story. I know you all know the big news this week. So yes, we'll talk about it. The uh, It looks like Microsoft's going to be able to go ahead and finish up this Activision purchase um, pending, you know, barring a couple things. But it seems like we're maybe at the end of the fucking road with this one. Uh, as far as corrections, nothing to correct. I don't know if I maybe I said some things wrong last week. Probably did. Not going to correct them. No one pointed it out. So I guess I'm getting away with murder in that regard. Mild amusing stories. Yes, of course. The stories of mild amusement. It's how we like to start off our podcast each and every week. These are stories that uh, we got a little bit of something to say, but not necessarily the headliners. You know, these are like the little opening shorts. It's like when you watch a Pixar movie and you get a nice little uh, 10 minute short before the actual movie starts. So let's have some appetizers, y'all. So, guys, Black Panther. New game, EA. When I saw the story, I had to do a double take because I'm like, didn't this game already get announced? But let's just read it. Straight from the top, VGC, the only website my internet browser lets me on. Electronic Arts have announced a new Black Panther game set... Or sorry, that is in development at recently established internal studio Cliffhanger Games. Previously reported, the studio was formed in 2021 and was led by Kevin Stevens, who was the boss of Warner's uh, Warner Bros. Monolith during development of Middle-Earth Shadow Mordor and Shadow War. In addition to the leaders of those games, Cliff, uh, Cliffhanger's team includes veterans of franchises like Halo, God of War, Call of Duty, and according to EA, the uh, this original third-person single-player Black Panther game is being developed in collaboration with Marvel. Quote, we want our game to be- enable players to feel like they're worthy of the black panther mantle in a unique story driven way that we want cliffhanger games to empower everyone in our team as we collaborate to bring this amazing world to life steven said well there there we go again black panther a ridiculous comic book world but we're going to try to take it as seriously as possible which isn't a bad thing i'm sure it'll be great but man remember like remember like those old marvel games from like the you know remember remember x-men legends that game's stupid that game makes no fucking sense but god damn, is it a good game. Anyway, qu- continuing on, Steven says, we're still in the early development with a long road ahead, but we, uh, but we know the foundation to any great story is to build an experienced team with diverse voices and perspectives, and that's what we want to build, especially a superhero as important as Black Panther. Uh, all right, EA announced the game last year and that it had stuck it, struck a deal to make several new games based on Marvel's properties beginning with Iron Man uh, being developed by the Dead Space Remake team and Star Wars Squadron's developer Motive Studios. So yeah, so here's some firm confirmation. We got this Black Panther game being made at e, uh, by an EA team, new internal team, Cliffhanger Games. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, nothing to say about it here. That's why it's not a major story. Uh, just because while the news is no doubt notable and, and interesting, it's just... What is there to say a brand new team that has never put out a game before is making a Black Panther story driven third person single player experience, which sounds like basically every game that comes out today. But, uh, you know, obviously these guys have a good pedigree. The Middle Earth games are highly, highly, highly regarded. Obviously, you got guys working on Call of Duty from Halo, Call of Duty and God of War, which are three franchises that are. Very highly regarded so it sounds like you got a lot of good talent all coming together to work on this black panther game and hey i'm interested i like black panther i like single player story driven third person games and uh i'm sure this game will be interesting just so long as it's not something ridiculous like the marvel's avengers game from a few years ago that just was everything nobody wanted i think this should uh no doubt be a game that probably catches some interest i i confused me for a second and i had to go back and look because skydance media skydance new media is working on that world war ii captain america black panther game whatever the hell that's going to be and that game's another game i'm super interested in i think that's the new amy hennig game isn't it uh anyway regardless so we got a black panther slash captain america world war ii game in development we got a black panther game in development at ea owned cliffhanger games we got an iron man game in development over uh at motive and then what else we have some others i mean of course you know insomniac and playstation have their spider-man games but we got a, a handful of marvel games in development insomniac's also making a wolverine game and uh i feel like what else man is there anything else we need a hulk game someone for love of christ someone make another hulk game i swear to god it's been done before it was wonderful hulk ultimate destruction i actually kind of wish um Maybe Insomniac or someone could do that. Although, maybe not Insomniac because huh, they're really good at like weapons and gadgets. And I feel like, obviously, Hulk doesn't lend itself to that. So, maybe not. But, anyway. So, yeah. Lots of Marvel games in development. I'm sure we'll see this one in the coming years with some CG trailers. Followed by, a year or two later, getting a gameplay reveal. And maybe we'll even play it before it's 2030. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. I mean, what else is there to say? I like Black Panther. I like Marvel. I'm down for another Marvel single-player story-driven game. I'm sure it'll be fine when it comes out. Anyway, let's move on, guys. Let's talk about Diablo. And uh, more importantly, its relationship to Game Pass. I guess maybe this would make more sense after the main segment, but fuck it. We'll talk about it now. Um, So, Blizzard's president has shot down any speculation that Diablo 4 is coming to Xbox Game Pass. Mikey Barra, former dude from Xbox, commented on the matter after it was reported that Brazilian payment app PicPay was advertising the game being available on Microsoft's subscription service. Quote, this is not happening, he stated in response to that report. While it might be true that there are currently no plans to bring Diablo 4 to Game Pass, Microsoft's head of gaming has said that the company intends to put as many Activision Blizzard titles on the subscription service should it be uh, shoulds proposed acquisition clear with regulators quote we intend to make activision blizzards much loved library of games including overwatch the album call of duty available on game pass to show those gaming communities phil spencer said last september so the notable thing here is well of course is that mikey Barr isn't going to go ahead and confirm something's happening for a deal that hasn't officially happened yet because that's just not what you do when you're the president of a team and and you know you're basically commenting on a hypothetical merger and acquisition that has not fully happened yet or been approved. So obviously he's just doing his due diligence and his job by shooting down something that is a rumor until otherwise, you know, until otherwise the hands are shaken and signatures are inked on paper and things like that. So I, I get it from Mikey Barr's situation. Like his words kind of mean nothing in that regard because he just kind of has to shoot down that rumor. Although he could easily just say nothing, uh, but the fact that he chose to speak up. It kind of says something, but Phil Spencer's quote from last year and, and the consistent messaging from Xbox Sense has has remained true. Listen, when they when when the Activision shit is finished up, they want to get these Activision Blizzard games onto Game Pass. So that's that's part of, part of the plan always has been. But I guess the question is when. And there were some internal documents coming out this week, or maybe they weren't internal docu- documents. I forget where it came from, but was alluded to the idea that you know Call of Duty might not even come to game pass you know if the deal goes through in the coming days as we we're hope as we're you know expecting and hoping that maybe it does the call of duty game pass inclusion might not even happen until as early as 2025 or as late as 2025 i should say uh, meaning that not only this year's rumored modern warfare 3 game and next year's black ops game won't come to game pass but then uh then the next time we see or the first time we see call of duty start to hit game pass will be for a call of duty that is is three games down the pipeline so like i mean it's it's gonna be a while and so i wonder what that means for some of these other titles like like blizzard games like diablo 4 like there's no doubt diablo 4 will come to game pass should this deal be finalized and everything happens but it's 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 more a matter of when and i don't know man like you think about it, it's like when, when the deal finalized with Bethesda, they wasted no time. It wasn't a matter of months that we found out that like all of Bethesda shit was coming to Game Pass. I think that deal was finished in early 2021, and then by that E3-ish summer time, we had already had the confirmation that basically all the Bethesda stuff was coming to Game Pass. So I don't know, you would assume that like if this Activision deal gets finalized and it's done and inked in the next week or two that maybe by, I don't know, maybe like the game awards that could be a big announcement for Xbox is in December is like, Hey, um, starting this month. Like 98% of the shit that Activision's done uh, is on game pass. Now you've got 57 call of duty games and a, in a crash bandicoot game or whatever the hell it is they still make. Um, so I, I don't know. I it just, it, it's kind of crazy to me to think that, it could, it could take as long as, like, two years to really start getting Call of Duty, and is that indicative of what other games would look like, or would we see other games? And you'd think that Xbox would have an urgency to get those games on the Game Pass ASAP, but at the same time, you know, if everything they've been saying over all these legal documents and hearings has been true, the name of the game is to bolster Game Pass, but it's also a lot about mobile and, and all these other initiatives, so I I don't know. I, I mean, I guess... Maybe those first few months are about, you know, a lot of like tying up loose ends and signing papers and making things happen. And then, you know, it's not like Phil Spencer's just going to walk into Activision HQ the day after the deal is signed and done and be like, all right, there's going to be some changes around here. I want salami in every break room. Like, it's not going to work that way. Like, the dude's going to have to like there's going to be months and months of meetings and and, and teams meeting other teams and figuring out, like, who's going to consolidate what with what and how who's gonna look over what and who's whose job roles are changing and in what ways and all these legality things and like there's there's just so much stuff to to figure out aside from just, you know, how do we get these games on Game Pass. So I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be quite a quite a lot of back end shit that doesn't really pertain to us that has to take place before we can really have this conversation. But you would assume Microsoft would want to get this done as fast as possible and that they have every incentive to do so. I mean the only reason why you maybe wouldn't want to rush to get all this Activision Blizzard content on the Game Pass immediately is that, yeah, Game Pass is about to enter in a season of some really, you know, prime content with Starfield and Forza Motorsport and things like that coming to the service, but, like, aside from that, I mean, like, you know, Starfield's one game, it's a huge game, but it's one game, so, I mean, like, I don't know, in my in my opinion, I feel like you'd probably want to be able to start getting some Activision Blizzard content, even if it's in a very limited capacity Onto Game Pass, you know, by the Game Awards in December. Like, you, you want to have a couple of Activision Blizzard things starting to come into Game Pass no later than the end of this year, I'm thinking, you know, especially if we're going to follow kind of the the historical trend that was set with how they handled the Bethesda Zenimax acquisition. So, I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Diablo 4, of course, it will come to Game Pass. But the question is when, especially for people like me who are like, Diablo 4 is a Game Pass game, I'm not I'm not buying that because I know I'm probably not going to play more than 5 hours of it, <laughs> but uh, I will play 5 hours of it, so hey, bring it to Game Pass. Uh, Alright, let's talk about another one, speaking of EA, even though that was uh, 2 stories ago, not 1 story ago, but anyway, EA, Respawn Entertainment, the guys that do Titanfall, just kidding, the guys that do Apex Legends, just kidding, the guys that make Star Wars, are currently recruiting team members for what's presumably the third Star Wars Jedi game. EA, the EA studio is seeking to hire a principal game writer and senior VFX artist to work on new content for an action-adventure series. Notably, it lists Unreal Engine 5 experience as a big plus to the job title uh, for the VFX job description. Shortly before uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivors released this past April, series director uh, Stig Asmussen said that he hopes to make a trilogy of games. So we, we know it's very likely that there's going to be another entry as he told IGN back in April quote, it's pretty safe to assume that third game in the series uh, to see respawn switch from unreal engine four to five. And then continuing the story of Cal Kestis, one of the last surviving Jedi Knights, Jedi survivor picks up five years after the events of the 2019 game fall in order. He says, quote, I always wanted to see this as a trilogy. How can we take Cal and the crew and take them to places beyond what we were doing in the first game? We had a pretty decent idea and time frame of what we wanted Survivor to take place, where we wanted to take place, the stakes, what they were going to be, and how the tone would be uh, going forward. What Cal was going to be up against, and how the crew was going to face and factor, in, or how the crew was going to factor into that. And there's ideas of what could be beyond that as well. So clearly, they have uh, ideas for the third game, and no doubt, you know, with the huge success of the first two games, that's clearly what they're going to do. Because why make Titanfall three when you could just make Star Wars Jedi, I do got to say, and in, 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 take this with a grain of salt, because I haven't played Star Wars Jedi Survivor, so I'm clearly speaking from an inexperienced place here, but you know, we, we learned recently the reason you didn't do Titanfall 3 was because well, Respawn canceled it internally, not EA, and you guys said you didn't feel like you could really do a true evolution of what you did in Titanfall 2, you didn't feel like you could do a really serious profound step up from what Titanfall 2 was you felt like it would just be kind of iterative now let me ask you that about Star Wars Jedi because Star Wars Jedi is about to enter its third game in development so Star Wars Jedi will get three entries whereas Titanfall only got two and uh while I haven't played Star Wars Jedi Survivor I only played Fallen Order um I will say from an outsider looking in perspective um Star Wars Jedi looks like just more Fallen Order, so let's call the third game Star Wars Jedi Lightsaber Man. Um, do you feel like Star Wars Jedi Lightsaber Man is going to be a evolution of Jedi Survivor, or do you feel like it's going to be an iterative step? Because if that's the case, I just want to point out that Suicide looks like a enticing option when we live in a world where we can get three Star Wars Jedi games in the seri- in the course of like what six, seven, eight years, but we can't get a third Titanfall game, and that just What's the point of living at that point? But no, joking aside, I know people love these Star Wars Jedi games. I know they do quite well. I I understand. And with Star Wars Jedi, unlike Titanfall, there is a story to continue. There's a story to be told. Again, we live in the age of video games being super serious and realistic and telling gripping grim stories. So we got to focus on continuing Cal Kestis' story as opposed to just making really ridiculous fun games like, I don't know, Titanfall. So, I'm not actually salty about the idea of them making another one of these Star Wars games. I'm just trying to be a prick. Uh, for I don't I don't know I don't know what what the, what the objective is there. I'm not trying to even get a laugh out of that. I'm just I just want Titanfall three. All right, so about Game Pass, uh, the prices went up recently. So let's 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 go into a little bit about that. From VGC, Microsoft reintroduced their $1 Game Pass subscription trial offer uh, following the price increase last week. The introductory offer lets players get their first month of Game Pass Ultimate on PC uh, or console for just $1.00. or or sorry, I should be clear, for PC for $1. The deal is not available for consoles and just PC. The same offer was previously available for several years before Microsoft ended it earlier this year when it said that they eventually were making different marketing promotions for new members in the future. Existing Xbox Live Gold or Game Pass subscribers who use the trial offer to upgrade to Game Pass Ultimate can carry over their prepaid membership uh, time and current conversion ratio of up to 36 months. The $1 offer's reintroduction allows Microsoft to move to raise Game Pass prices this week or follows that move as of July 6th. Price increases in most markets include exclude Norway, Chile, Denmark, Switzerland, Saudi Arabia. However, most other markets, we're seeing increases from like $10 a month to $11 a month. So Game Pass Ultimate subscriptions have gone up by $2 from $15 to $17 US a month. And Game Pass on PC hasn't changed at all, remained at $10 a month. So clearly this um, this, this change, this competitive offer for PC and the lack of moving the, the price on PC... Uh, but not so much having the same kind of uh, uh, remorse <laughs> for console shows that Game Pass on PC is a huge area of opportunity for Microsoft and that they're very aggressive and very uh, eager to try and grow that subscription number on, on, on PC. And that makes a lot of sense. You think about Xbox and how right now with series consoles alone, there's only 20 something million of them out there in, in, in the ecosystem. So to know that there are 25 million Game Pass subscribers, it means you probably got a pretty good attachment rate of people subscribe to Game Pass who are Xbox home console owners however PC on the other hand that's that's a whole other beast it's hard to get that market because there's such a huge 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 number of people on PC but those players are very much integrated into ecosystems like Steam and uh, Game Pass is a lot less competitive of an offer when it's up against the massive library that services like Steam offer um, where players have amassed insanely huge libraries over the years and years and years of steam sales 99 cent games two dollar games uh 45 off games that came out a month ago type of deal so you know it's it's i mean i barely ever play pc games and i have a steam library of probably 150 games many of which were got in huge steam sales where i've never played the games but you know i just oh here we go it's a bundle of uh, oh here's every uh pixar licensed movie game for $30, okay, I got fucking up in wally in e and in, in cars and all this shit, and it was $30, and half the games you never ever play, but you got it in your library, and it's hard to compete with, because Steam has been around for so long, people have amassed such a reputation in library and library and comfort on that ecosystem, that even something as enticing and value, with the value proposition of Game Pass for PC, it just doesn't stand out as such a strong product on PC as it does on console, because in the console space, we're not used to something as enticing and as 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 uh, as value-driven as something like Steam. So it's just it's just a different space, right? People have you know having Game Pass on your Xbox doesn't affect your pre-existing library; it just adds to it. Whereas having Game Pass on your PC is like, well, yeah, sure, I guess I could get Game Pass, but like I already have five trillion things to play in my Steam library, and I already don't want to use the Microsoft app. I, honestly, Microsoft. Yes, there's a lot of area of opportunity to grow the PC Game Pass audience. If you really want to grow that audience, not only do does this $1 introductory deal need to exist, but you also need to work on making these Xbox apps on PC, not dog shit, because they are not good apps. And it's, it's embarrassing, because Microsoft is a software company, and because the Xbox consoles have wonderful... Uh, operating systems and wonderful dashboards and OS's and, and they look and interact and behave wonderfully. And I just wonder why you can't get a native windows app on your own fucking operating system on these PCs to look and run and work as beautifully as it does on your home console. So maybe if you figured that as- aspect out just a little bit better, um, you could maybe uh, entice some players who wouldn't be scared off by having to interface with the Xbox PC app. So just something to keep in mind, but um, yeah. Yeah. So there's a, a little bit of for those of you on uh, PC Game Pass, I guess, or people who haven't yet pulled the trigger on Game Pass. Which, if you listen to this podcast, I find it hard to believe you're not a Game Pass subscriber already. So, let's talk about uh, Halo One content being readded, or revived, or restored, preserved. From VGC, 343 Industries is working with a group of modders to restore content cut from the original Halo Combat Evolved. As spotted by PC Games End, the mod team uh, DigSite has been working with 343 over the past year of particular interest uh, quote, of particular interest to us were design-slash-production documents, Bungie feedback notes, tags, compiled maps, and source data from previous unseen multiplayer maps, said the team DigSite. Some of the highlights of the restored content include multiplayer maps originally developed for PC port of Halo Combat Evolved, which was made by Gearbox Software back in 2003. They did the Halo Combat Evolved port to PC. Quote, Gearbox had made a bunch of brand new textures that were not being used whatsoever, says DigSite team member Ludus. I felt that it'd be a shame if these textures never got used, so I decided to remix Indoor into a brand new map and could better utilize these newfound bitmaps. I don't know all that means, but perhaps the most significant, long-lasting Macworld demo from 1999 of the Halo is being added to the Halo Master Chief Collection. Prior to landing on Microsoft's first Xbox console. Halo was at one point pinned to be a third-person exclusive for Mac, so taking that third-person RTS style, whatever the original Halo game was going to be, when first showed at Macworld on stage with Steve Jobs back in 99... They're taking that that unused content and trying to find a way to work it into the Master Chief Collection, which is freaking awesome. Quote, it took some work to get running on Master Chief Collection. We've seen it up in the sandbox to play in, explore, and repurpose for your own mods, said DigSite. Not only this, but content from the earliest conception of Halo as an RTS is also being restored, including vehicles and enemy types. While a lot of these assets are simple and never got to the point of being implemented into a working version of the game, it's still a significant moment in the preservation of a modern video game's cornerstone franchise. 343 says that it's there's more content to be shown off, and that DigSite team will continue to work through the archive of the franchise. I think it's cool that 343 is going to let this team of these passionate modders and, and Halo fans work to restore this content. I also think it's maybe a little telling of just how... Thinly stretched and 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 uh, and bare bones the remaining team at three four three even is these days that they probably wouldn't be able to do this without a team like Digsite helping them. But nonetheless, I I can't hate here. This is awesome to see uh, an effort, especially you know from someone as big as three four three to get that approval from someone like Xbox to restore this content that was that was never playable for for audiences. You know this is all internally developed. Uh, reworked content that eventually became the halo we know today this was never meant to be played by you know us normies so the fact that they're trying to work this old ass halo rts you know for those who don't know halo was originally shown back in 1999 at MacWorld as this real-time strategy game for for mac computers um, developed by bungie and then bungie had a long history of working with mac back in the day and Microsoft saw that and they were looking for the killer app for their new Xbox console they were working on and they went and they they bought it. They basically went to Bungie and they're like, "Hey, we will pay to make this game an Xbox game." And then they reworked it and they were continued to evolve what they were doing and it became the first-person shooter game we know today. But basically Halo was going to be a Mac exclusive game that Microsoft then bought to have it be this Xbox exclusive that really obviously as we all know today. Made the Xbox a legitimate platform, and, and basically gave it the ability to to be what it is today. So it's super cool that there's this effort to restore that content and preserve it, and put it into the Master Chief Collection, which is a great, you know, Master Chief Collection keeps growing, growing into this thing that's not just a way to play the classic Halo, Halo games we all know and love in perpetuity, but also be this love letter museum preservation center for all things Halo, which I absolutely love, honestly. I would love to see 343 continue to expand Master Chief collection over time and you know include the Halo Wars games both of them include Halo 5 just get it all in there get those weird twin stick shooter games that were for Windows Phone and Xbox Live Arcade in there you know just like get get all these get all these games in there and just have have Halo Master Chief collection just be the number one hub for all things Halo and that would be just so freaking cool to have because Halo is such a special, special franchise, even though it's being terribly managed today. Um, and it's just, it's awesome that, I don't know, it's it's awesome that Xbox has a, a kind of Nintendo, maybe maybe Xbox is the best at this, honestly, with what they're doing with Halo, is this almost Nintendo, but maybe even better than the way Nintendo does it, means of making f- sure that these classic games are always brought to the forefront of modern gaming, so that so that as players grow up, they still have a way to keep in touch with these games, and as new you know, younger people grow into being of of gamer age, (laughs) are able to go back in and and play these games and have these experiences with these really seminal and important historical games um, that, you know, that make up the Halo franchise. So I just love that so much. Um, So I just, I really hope we continue to see more and more of that effort to just flesh out Master Chief Collection. And hey, Gears of War needs one. So let's let's get started on that as well. But uh, yeah, shout out to that. I thought that was really cool. All right, finally, this is, I don't know how much to say this, but I just want to read it real quick. Yuji Naka, quick update on the guy. Not totally going to jail as we thought, um, so it looks like he's avoiding prison for now. As reported by Japanese new, new, news agency, gg press tokyo district court ruled that naka had violated uh, japan's financial instrument uh, and exchange act by illegally buying shares based on insider information the judge sentenced naka to 30 months in prison suspended for four years but but uh this means that naka will escape his prison terms as long as he adheres to the conditions set by the order and doesn't infringe on any further terms of the lawsuit at this time So Naka also received two fines totaling 1.2 million U.S. dollars or 173 million yen, meaning that although he may not be able, he may not have to go to prison uh, for part of his inside trading scheme, he certainly has to pay a substantial financial penalty. Naka pleaded guilty to the charges back in March, saying that there was no doubt he was guilty for taking part of inside trading, uh, which we talked about last year. But I just thought that was interesting that, you know, rich, important, powerful people, they always find a way of uh, not going to jail for some reason. But you know, whatever, pay, pay a fine. I guess, uh, I guess, an unjust system exists uh, everywhere. It's not just America, so I guess uh, it's another thing we don't have a total monopoly over. So, yeah, there you go. You huge Not that I'm necessarily wanting the guy to go to jail. I mean, he didn't. It's not like he stabbed the guy in the face or anything. But you know, he jeopardized a lot of businesses. You, you know, you put a lot of you put a lot of people in financial peril and jeopardy when you uh, when you inside trade information. You know, a lot of people are are dependent on on certain things to go a certain way when they're developing a multimillion dollar project and and publishers and developers are trying to bring a product to market and when you're taking inside information and betting for or against something, you're really you're really playing with the the financial viability and the in the outcome of 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 a product, of an investment, of a project that affects tons and tons of people. So I mean it is it rightfully an illegal thing he, he engaged in and rightfully a fitting punishment for him to be arrested and, and jailed but yeah i guess uh, i guess mr sonic creator is not going to jail after all honestly the only thing that could have made this story any better is if uh like they they like the news team put a mic to yuji naka and said mr naka it seems that you will uh not be going to prison after all um but have been hit with a hefty fine what do you say about the courts deciding to give you this alternate option and uh you know have a second chance to right your wrongs and avoid a life in prison. What What do you have to say to this? And he just looks at the microphone. He looks at the camera and speaks in the microphone. and goes, "You're too slow, just like Sonic does." And then runs away, and escapes prison. And uh, we never see him ever again. And when he runs away, a hat flies off his head, and it's the it's the little cap from from the game uh, Ball and Wonderland that he made a few years back. That absolute ass game and uh, no one ever sees from Yuji Naka again, and that's that's exactly how he would go off into the abyss. Shout out to Yuji Naka. He created Sonic. All right. Guys, that's it for all of our opening stories. Uh, let's quick talk about a couple, a couple little things before we get to the main news. G- you know, we go into the main news, but first I tell you about the games I've been playing, so we'll take a break, tell you about the games I've been playing, but uh, before I tell you about the games I've been playing this week, real quick, let's talk about the the food I've been eating, you know? I can't tell you about the games I've been playing if I haven't even told you about the things I've been eating. And, and this week, I'm excited to tell you about a couple things not much to say about it other than i'm feeling pretty happy pretty satisfied uh, with some recent developments over at the taco bell so the volcano menu came back uh what is like two weeks ago and i try long story short i tried to have it a few weeks ago things blew up in my face didn't end up happening i didn't eat the taco bell volcano menu but this week i had an opportunity to rectify that i was out of bread so i was not able to make my turkey sandwich for work this week or this uh this past tuesday so i was like you know what Fuck that. This is an opportunity of a lifetime. God is speaking to me saying, Jesse, go to Taco Bell. I swear to God, it was like the stars aligned. Like, I I, I wake up getting ready for work. I'm going to make my boring-ass turkey sandwich for work, trying to be a good boy. And then I'm like, oh, shit, I don't have any more bread, so I cannot make my turkey sandwich. I guess I'm going to have to buy lunch today when I'm at work. And then right before I go on my lunch break, knowing full well, I'm going to go to Taco Bell today because I couldn't bring my lunch. The fucking iPhone or iPhone, whatever. My phone goes uh, ding, ding, ding. Oh, looks like uh, looks like the um, uh, the FTC injunction has been denied. Microsoft's good to go ahead and um, and do this Activision uh, purchase. I'm like, oh, so the stars are aligning. You tell me Call of Duty is about to become an Xbox game. OK, here we go. All right. Taco Bell. This makes sense. Here we go. So I head on over to the Taco Bell right down the wor- road from my work. And uh, I-, I hit up that volcano menu. Now, volcano menu It used to be like I don't know. I-, I never had the volcano menu back in the day. I know a lot of Taco Bell fans miss it. But I have no experience with the old Volcano menu, so this is all new to me. So I order the Volcano menu combo, which is just the only two items they brought in, which is the Volcano taco and the Volcano burrito. And it comes with a drink, so I get myself a zero-sugar Baja Blast. But, um, yeah, shout-out to the Volcano menu. Had no expectations, no idea if this would be good or not. The Volcano menu looked very boring to me. It's basically just a beef taco and a beef cheese rice burrito with volcano sauce. And I don't even know what volcano sauce is. I just know it's something that's probably spicy because it's called volcano. It's probably a hot sauce, right? So I, I bite into these things and I gotta be honest, I don't really care much for hard shell tacos at Taco Bell, they're fine. But uh, this volcano sauce is pretty good. So it makes the, the hard shell taco better than usual. But I'll talk about the specifics of the sauce with the burrito because the burrito I care more about. So it's like your typical $2 value burrito at Taco Bell. It's got rice, beef, sour cream, cheese sauce, crispy Frito flake things. But it's got this volcano sauce. And the volcano sauce... It's like a creamy like hot sauce kind of almost like a chipotle sauce, but it doesn't have that chipotle flavor. It has more of like a like a hot sauce flavor, like a like a high heat flavor, but it doesn't linger or anything. So if you have a low tolerance for spicy food, I don't really think this is something that would be like, oh, that's too spicy. I can't handle it. Like it's pretty it's pretty mild, it's pretty doable. In fact, I, I, would, I would say pretty much anyone could handle this. It's really not bad at all. But uh, yeah, the, the Volcano sauce, is it's good shit. It's kind of like, I don't know, it's like a creamy Chipotle ranch type aioli sauce. I just named all the kind of creamy sauces I could think of. Mixed with like, I don't know, like a Taco Bell hot sauce or something. But it works really well, especially in that burrito. And uh, I, I thought it was fantastic. Maybe it was just because I was super hungry or it just had been a while since I'd had Taco Bell. But man, this Volcano menu, it's good stuff. It's not like amazing. It's not like, it's no grilled cheese burrito. It's no, you know... Uh, chicken uh, chalupa supreme or anything you know there are far better things on the Taco Bell menu but as far as doing something that's like not too out of left field it's not trying to be crazy it's not like some fucking oh it's the it's the crispy chicken wings at Taco Bell you know it's not anything ridiculous it's just you know a different sauce on a classic burrito I think it's pretty good. It's a really good sauce. I don't see why it can't stick around. Why is that to be limited time only? I don't know. You tell me, but we all know Taco Bell is going to take this thing away probably in a week or two, but I'm glad I tried it. Uh, I don't know if this is really indicative of what the volcano menu used to be back in the day. I know the old volcano menu was quite larger, had a lot more items, but this volcano sauce, good stuff. This uh, taco and burrito, quite nice glad i tried it and then in addition to that taco bell also has another new item the crispy chicken taco now this is a little different from last time they did a crispy chicken taco because yes it's a fried piece of chicken in a taco but instead of doing a taco shell that looks like a burger bun or a chicken sandwich bun it is a um it's just a regular flour soft tortilla so i'm like Okay, here we go. It's like some Del Taco shit. So I get one of these. There's two versions. You can get a creamy chipotle or a uh, avocado ranch. So I went for the avocado ranch just to spice it up since I already had the volcano menu being spicy. I thought I'd do some avocado ranch, just to have some more variety. And this thing was also really good. I remember last year, I complained about the crispy chicken tacos because I don't like how they're trying to make it like a crispy chicken sandwich, but in the shape of a taco, I just rather be a taco. And this kind of exactly addressed my issues with that last time they tried this because now it's literally just a regular taco, it's regular taco toppings, taco sauce, taco shell, but it's the the protein is a crispy chicken tender and hey, it's great. It, it still kind of tastes a little bit like you're eating a KFC chicken tender at Taco Bell, but Everything else about it is very Taco Bell, and I think it, I think it works well. It's a nice little limited-time treat, something to maybe pull you out. And if I'm able to get back to Taco Bell before this item goes away, we all know Taco Bell items usually only last for about three or four weeks before they go away. Uh, but if I'm able to try Taco Bell again before these items go away, I'll I'll go for the, uh, the Chipotle sauce one again so I can try both variants. But Crispy Chicken Taco really hit the spot. Volcano Menu, I liked both items a lot. I feel like this was one of the more successful runs with Taco Bell recently where – their new items weren't trying to break the mold. They weren't trying to. They weren't trying to reinvent the wheel or be over the top. They weren't trying to put any fucking sprinkles and hot fudge on your on your goddamn nachos or nothing. They're just trying to. They're just trying to add a, a new little flair, like a new sauce or something like that. And I I think that these were tame but uh, fitting little uh, little gimmicky items, and I, I enjoyed them, and uh, I highly recommend them. So shout out to Taco Bell for doing some good recent work on their limited time items. And as for what I've been playing, uh, I don't really have much more to add other than we're right where I was last year or last week. Where I'm playing Persona 5 Royal, um, I'm just slowly kind of chipping away at it. Maybe like six hours into the game, I gotta be honest, I I like this game and I'm enjoying it a lot. It's uh it's fun. It's over the top, super anime, dramatic. These fucking high schoolers take high school just way too seriously. But the problem I'm having with the game is I cannot get over the fact that this is supposed to be a 100 hour story and I will never finish this game I will never try to commit the proper time to seeing this game all the way through and just getting more and more invested in the characters and the story and everything that's happening in this game I'm just like why am I doing this it's kind of even though like the actual game itself is really good and there's nothing that's pulling me out of that experience it's just knowing that I'm not going to see this through the end and I don't want to spend 100 hours with it it's kind of making me care a little less because I'm like yeah but what does all this matter? Cause I'm not going to see it resolve in the end. I don't want to spend a hundred hours of my life with this game. And I don't know. I'm like, I genuinely like this game. Like if it were a 30 hour game, even a 40 hour game, I, I, it's good enough that I'm like, I don't want to play a game for 30, 40 hours. I don't like when games try to keep the story content longer than like maybe 20 hours. I think it's just disrespectful to the player's time. Quite honestly. But um, usually it's like, if a game is as good as this game is, I'll power through. I'll I'll play 30, 40 hours. Listen, Red Dead Redemption 2, one of my favorite games in the past decade, that game's like 30, 40 hours long, worth every fucking minute. The game's immaculate. You know, Yakuza 0, which I played a couple years ago for the first time, game's immaculate. It's like 30, 30 to 35 hours to beat the main story. I don't give a shit. It was worth it. It was amazing. So if Persona 5 was like a 30 to 40 hour game, I think it's of a quality where I'd be able to be like, you know what, doesn't matter that it's 10, 15 hours longer than I'd like for it to be. I'm gonna stick with it because it's that good. It deserves to be 30, 40 hours instead of like 15 to 20 hours. But the fact that we're not talking about a 30-hour game, we're not talking about a 40-hour game, we're talking about a 100-hour game. The average time to beat this game on howlongtobeat.com, the average play time, is 102 hours. I just, I I. This game would have to basically just be like the best Spider-Man game mixed with the best Sonic game mixed with the best Mario game mixed with the best Halo game mixed with the best Guitar Hero game or some shit like that all molded into one fucking product for me to be like you know what a hundred hours to see the game start to finish okay and like and, and, and like let me just clarify I'm not saying like there is no game that's worth spending 100 hours of your time with. I spent over 100 hours with many games. Many Call of Duty games. Many Halo games. Many um, many Mario Karts and and other bullshit like that. A lot of multiplayer games in particular. Uh, but there are single player games I've spent over 100 hours. i play, I spent over 100 hours replaying Halo 3's campaign. I've spent over 100 hours playing Sonic games. That's, that happens. It's fine. But I'm not talking about... There's over 100 hours of content in this game. I'm saying just the main story, if all you're focused on doing is going from start to finish linear storytelling, it's 102 hours on average. If you want to do all the side content and explore the world to its fullest and do all the little odds and ends of the game, you could play this game for 2-300 hours. And I'm sorry, I'm just I'm just not doing that. It's, it's I'm putting my foot down. Again, I don't care if this game has the emotional gravity of watching every Oscar award-winning movie rolled into one. I don't give a shit. Just on principle alone, I'm not going to see a game through to completion if it is asking for 102 hours of my limited life (laughs) in order to see that that narrative play out, especially when I'm only six hours in. And while, yes, I'm very engrossed in the game story and the moment-to-moment character interaction, Uh, we're ultimately talking about a game here where it's a bunch of little high school boys running around a world where their gym coach is like sexually harassing teenagers? Like, what the fuck is this about? You want me to spend a 100 hours of my life learning about creepy 40-year-old Japanese men working in high school so they can hit on 15-year-old girls? Are you kidding me? Get out of here with that shit, Persona. Phil Spencer, why don't you go ahead and buy Sega and Atlas and uh, make this a console exclusive, though, because that'd be dope as hell if PlayStation gamers couldn't play this game. Of course, I'm just joking about that. And with that perfect segue, let's get on into the main news where we can talk about what's happening in the world of Xbox spending exorbitant amounts of money to try and buy stuff. All right, quick break and we'll jump right into the news. All right, so uh, right as uh, we're recording this podcast, it looks like a huge breaking update on the Microsoft Activision merger. Then, my God, it never ends. So the FTC is appealing the ruling, but we will we'll get to that in a second. So, all right, let's let's read through what all has happened. All these notes I wrote out. Um, up until this point, we'll talk about things as we were supposed to, and then I'll just kind of interject with this new update that's happening that I haven't even had a second to read through yet because it's literally happening as I'm as I'm recording this podcast. So uh, this is going to be a little uh, stitched together on the fly, but uh, hey, whatever. This this podcast was never professionally uh, done anyway, so we'll just uh, we'll make it work. So let's let's start off with the big news that happened on what was it Tuesday? So <laughs> Microsoft has won. The next couple stories are all going to be about this deal, by the way. Microsoft has won its U.S. court's case to acquire Activision Blizzard. The court battle against the FTC has been cleared. On Tuesday, Judge Jacqueline Scott Corley of the United States District Court in Northern District of California denied the Federal Trade Commission's motion for a preliminary injunction. Uh, had it been granted, the injunction would have blocked the $69 billion deal from being completed in the U.S. regulator's in-house court uh, had a chance... Sorry, completed until the U.S. regulators in court uh, had a chance to rule on whether the merger would hurt competition in the games industry. Judy Cor- Jude Corley's ruling concluded with the quote: The following Microsoft's acquisition of Activision has been described as the largest in tech history. It deserves scrutiny. That scrutiny has paid off. Microsoft has committed in writing, in public, and in the court to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation for 10 years on parity with Xbox. It made an agreement with Nintendo to bring Call of Duty to the Nintendo Switch, and it entered several agreements for the first time to bring Activision's content to several cloud gaming services. The court's responsibility in this case is narrow – it is to decide if, notwithstanding these current circumstances, the merger should be halted, perhaps even terminated, pending resolution of the FTC administration action. For the reasons explained, the court finds that the FTC has not shown a likelihood it will prevail on the claim that is particularly vertical. Mer- Sorry, on its this particular vertical merger in in this specific industry may substantially lessen competition. To the contrary. The record evidence points to more consumer access to Call of Duty and other Activision content. The motion for a preliminary injunction is therefore denied. Responding to the news, Microsoft President Brad Smith says, quote, We're grateful for the Court of San Francisco for this quick and thorough decision and hope that the jurisdiction will continue working towards a timely resolution. As we demonstrate consistently throughout the process, we are committed to working creatively and collaboratively to address regulatory concerns. We are grateful for the court for the Swift deciding in our favor, and Microsoft's head of gaming, Phil Spencer, said, the evidence showed the Activision Blizzard deal is good for the industry and the FTC's claim about the console switching. Multi-game subscription services and cloud do not reflect the realities of the gaming market, said Phil Spencer. Quote, since we first announced the deal, our commitment to bring more games to more people on more devices has grown. We've signed multiple agreements to make Activision Blizzard games, Xbox first-party games, and Game Pass all available to more players than they are today. We know that players all around the world have been watching this case closely, and I'm proud that our efforts to expand player access and choice throughout this journey. Pending the outcome of a possible, possible appeal from the FTC, the ruling removes one of the last major obstacles preventing the deal from being completed. All right, so I think this is where we should interject with the update, and we'll save the other two stories because those are related to the, the UK CMA. Um, we'll say those two for after this. So, yeah, instead of stopping and discussing, let me just read the breaking update that's happening as we're recording this podcast right now uh, from The Verge from Tom Warren and Jay Peters. Uh, The Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, says that it is appealing a recent U.S. federal court order that cleared a way for Microsoft to purchase Activision. The FTC has filed a notice that it's appealing Judge Jacqueline Scott Corley's decision, but we won't know the the regulator's arguments until the full appeal is submitted in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Microsoft won a grueling fight with the FTC earlier this week with a federal judge denying the preliminary injunction request from the U.S. regulator. The court finds that the FTC has not shown a likelihood that it will prevail on its claim that this particular vertical merger is in the specific industry may substantially lessen the competition, which we just read. So if the preliminary injunction had been granted, it would have temporarily blocked Microsoft from closing its deal until the result of the FTC's own administrative case against the company. That separate legal challenge is still due to commence on August 2nd. Now that the FTC is choosing to appeal Judge Corley's decision, the regulator needs the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals to issue an emergency stay to extend the existing temporary restraining order that is set to expire at 1159 p.m. Pacific Time on Friday, July 14th. It's not clear if this, if the appeals court will even rule before the deal deadline on July 18th, potentially leaving the door open for Microsoft to close on the Activision deal on Monday or Tuesday without the restraining order in place. Microsoft still needs to resolve the issues of the CMA's... Uh, concerns over in the uk uh, before it can close after regulators blocked that deal on cloud concerns earlier this year both microsoft and the cma almost instantly announced they agreed to pause their legal battles to negotiate after the ruling that took place on tuesday and we'll get into that in just a minute here so between the ftc and the cma which we'll get into in the next part of the story it just seems like these 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 entities are hell-bent on stopping this thing and it's so funny because the other day, yesterday on Tuesday, when this when this news had broken, like, the internet was in an uproar. Everyone on Twitter was like, that's, you know, all the people I'm always, like, picking on, making fun of. Like, all the fucking Xbox icon, like, Twitter profile pictures and, and Activision profile pictures that are like, all right, gamers, here is your brand new Xbox. And they post, like, the weird pictures with, like... Xbox and, like, a list of every developer that's now going to be owned by Xbox. It's so cringy and weird. And they're like, oh, how do you feel? Oh, the ponies are crying. Oh, the ponies are riding on home. Giddy up. And all that stuff. Like, you're just seeing everyone going on and on about it. And then you see people like experts, you know, people who have been covering the story and, and have the most like, insightful information, saying things like, historically, the FTC never the, the FTC never appeals. Once a decision has been made, once a ruling has been made, the FTC never really appeals. So, the fact that the injunction was denied, it seems like the FTC will probably just back off like they ha- have historically done so, and Microsoft will just be in the clear to wrap this deal up. At least here in the U.S., they still got some things to figure out over in the U.K. with the CMA. But, as always with this case, it just seems like everyone is wrong about everything, everyone's just completely making shit up and guessing here, and uh, the exact opposite of what everyone thought would happen is what's happening here, because man, it's it's so funny, it's like two months ago, it's like, no, there's no way this deal is happening, it's just not happening, the CMA fucked it all up, and now it's like, yeah, this deal has happened, it's done, it's, it's, it's already, you know, the nail's in the coffin, it's over, Sony, fuck you, FTC, fuck you, Microsoft owns Activision, but it's like... None of this stuff has technically happened. There's still so many things in play here. So here we are in a situation now where the FTC is appealing <laughs> again. And now we got to wait for the court to react to this. But because of the unique time frame and circumstances we're in, Microsoft could hypothetically close on the deal before any kind of blockage could happen. So they could technically finish up buying Activision and then still have to go to the courts over this, appeal from the FTC so who knows what that would mean but would Activision even do that because they probably want to figure things out with the CMA before they go off and finish up the deal but then again it's like there's the part of me that's like I'm no legal expert clearly I don't know a goddamn thing about anything that's happening here but it seems to me that you know, the American legal system is the one you want to get through. These regulators and here in the U.S. is like what actually fucking matters. And so you probably want to get through these guys and then race to the finish line as fast as you fucking can and get this deal inked and done and over with. And then deal with the with the European people later, deal with the, the U.K. later, because who gives a shit? <laughs> it's the U.K. And unfortunately, I, you know, I, I'm not I'm not educated enough or or you know I'm, I'm no legal expert i'm no lawyer so like i don't know i don't know how these things go if it would be in their best interest to do that or not i think a lot of people have speculated and thought similar things where it's like don't worry about that you have the rest of the world's blessing you have rest of europe's blessing and then now you're about to get the us's blessing Fucking go through with it. Figure out everything with England later. England's a goddamn mess, or the UK. I know England refuses to let other parts of the UK have their own independence, so we gotta call it the UK. Uh, but yeah, I mean, f- fucking hell. I guess this is how this is how it's gonna go now. And right when we thought it was over, <laughs> the FTC's got to kind of put another fucking blockage in it, and then and then the CMA, of course, they have their own thing, which we'll get into in a second. I guess I guess all there is to say is we got to stop with this cycle of like, Oh, that's it. That's it. This means this we're all legal experts. All these people that have 150,000 gamer score and spend all of our adult lives, you know, at day jobs that are just a means to an end until we get home and can play Xbox again. Let's all just sit around on Twitter and petificate about how this thing definitely means this, or, you know, it's like this, this call means Xbox is going to be able to close or this, this appeal means the deal is blocked and over with. It's like, None of us know jack shit, so just stop. Stop guessing, stop assuming, we don't know. My assumption, and I think most people's assumption, is this deal is probably going to happen, but I have a lot of assumptions about a lot of things that mean absolutely nothing, and I think the only insight I could truly offer here, because I don't have connections or tethers to intelligent people who could provide me any insight that I lack, which there's a lot of insight to provide me that I, that I clearly is It's just that I can be dead honest with you when I say I much like 99.9% of people out there trying to speak to this, jump in the conversation and have something to say, clearly don't know a goddamn thing. When this when this stuff was first happening, I was trying to read up on stuff to try and just like, could I could I at least wrap my brain around enough of what's happening to have something of a cogent like chance at at discussing like what I think may be happening or what might happen. And what I quickly learned was no, no, I need to go to fucking law school and spend years studying this stuff to figure out what the hell is really going on to have an actual say in what I think may or may not be the outcome of, of these various actions. And the fact of the matter is, this is the podcast to talk about the news of Xbox, with the expectation that video games are going to be announced, video games are going to come out. We're going to talk about the games we're playing. Uh, fucking teams are going to get shifted around. Someone's going to quit this developer and go work at that developer. Some game's going to get canceled. And like these are the kinds of stories we were going to talk about, it's like video game stuff. But like this, this, this like fucking armchair lawyer talk that we've been dealing with for the past goddamn year plus with this Activision Microsoft deal. It's excruciating because I'll say the same thing I've said a million times. I don't blame these regulators for wanting to scrutinize the deal. I get it. I'm not over here going to cheer for team big corporation winning. I also think these regulators are mostly corrupt pieces of shit as well. I, I kind of hate absolutely everyone involved in all aspects of this, of this, of this whole procedure, but it's clear as day to me that there are far better things to be fighting than Activision and Microsoft getting in bed together and This conversation is so beyond exhausting. It's just, like, I find it shocking that anyone has the balls, the audacity to be like, yes, after all the many, many, many things that we all clearly didn't know, couldn't have guessed, were absolutely wrong about time and time again. So many people still have the, I don't know, the balls to come out and be like, yeah, 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 this, this, oh, okay, 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 the court blocked the injunction, yep, that's it, that's it, it's done, they have they have Call of Duty, it's like, I, maybe, <laughs> I don't know, and so maybe this is a huge block in the road again, maybe the is really fucking things up by appealing this ruling, I don't know, maybe this means nothing, maybe it sounds like it means something, and then tomorrow during business hours when shit happens again, we get updates, maybe we find out, oh, this means nothing, the only thing I will say is, because of the deadline, the nature of where we're at in this, in this whole ordeal, one thing that is clear is that whatever happens next, we're going to find out very quickly. Everything from the rest of this deal on is going to be in a super quick succession. So the, the good thing is, the good news, the silver lining is, it seems like what is left of this whole ordeal is still going to happen on a very similar time frame because Microsoft is either going to say, fuck it, we're done, drop the deal, or they're gonna get their way and be able to buy Activision, and regardless of what happens, one of those two things is gonna happen within the time frame allotted. So we are mere days away from kind of having all the answers um, between July 14th and July 18th. I think we're gonna, you know, you know, by this this time next week, I think it's pretty much all gonna be completely said and done. But again, it's just these regulators, just of, dude, of all the things. Like I, I'm just thinking about all these countries where it's like. The pharmaceutical industry is so fucked. The politicians are so fucking corrupt. <laughs> Everything is broken. All this inflation shit's completely made up. We're we're intentionally hurting working class people so that we can try and normalize things for corporations and and get the economy back into a place that's favorable for big businesses. Like I just I don't I don't fucking get it. We have like the worst shit going on between the economy the lack of investment in in everything in our in in these countries and it's just like the one thing that like these these politicians want to die on the hill that they're like oh this matters so much is whether or not the xbox guys get the call of duty game or the playstation guys get to still play the call of duty game and also this cloud gaming technology that companies like google and microsoft really want us to give a shit about that 99 percent of us really don't give a shit about we want to make sure that we're protecting that 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 platform from uh from becoming monopolized by microsoft so i mean fuck man it's like can we can we just focus on something dude the roads suck in america can we focus can we get the can we get the government to talk about like I don't know, anything like I understand the FTC, it's not the FTC's problem, but like I don't know. It's like I've just never seen the government like go to bat so fucking hard over something that doesn't matter. Can we can we fix the roads in our country? (laughs) Can we get like good clean water in like Michigan and Mississippi? Can we can we like do something about homelessness? Can we help people get like shelter? Can we help like starving children? Or do we have to just keep fucking talking about the possibility of consumers actually giving a shit about cloud streaming and what it would mean for Microsoft to be the major player in that space. Like I don't, I don't care, man. I got, I got a fucking Windows phone. I got a the Surface. I got an Xbox. I love Xbox. I don't give a shit what happens to Xbox cloud gaming. I don't fucking care one iota. But the FTC and the CMA won't. They just, this is, it's like I just never seen them go to bat so hard for something so insignificant. Listen, man. Fucking carrots cost like five dollars now, man. And you're giving all of our tax dollars to Ukraine, the Ukraine with weapons, with American weapons, so we can proxy fight Russia and potentially egg on a World War III. But the only thing you're really willing to go to battle for, really, really, really willing to like die on the hill of, is making sure that Xbox, the guys that brought you Halo, don't have Candy Crush the game your mom plays in the doctor's office waiting room while uh while she waits for the doctor to tell her that insulin's going to be a fucking million dollars because why not so i i mean i don't know man i'm just whatever you can go to your favorite like xbox youtuber who's gonna be like well guys welcome to the stream today today we have amazing news sony is devastated jim ryan is crying the whole deal is falling apart for playstation and xbox gamers can rejoice because call of duty will be coming to game pass within a moment's notice i mean fine i'm sure that's like what half these fucking weird ass xbox fanboy channels are saying but like i don't know man like Thanks for the update, Tom Warren. Like, dude, God bless the people out there like Tom Warren, by the way, like, who are out here constantly covering this shit day in and day out. I would pop my fucking brains out of my skull if my job, if my actual career right now involved me having to keep a close watch over every little move that happens with this deal because – that fucking sucks, that's, that's, that's real shit, imagine being like, yay, I work for a tech news company, I can't wait to talk about my thoughts and feelings on video games, and cell phones, and fucking smartwatches." and then the Verge is like, yo, Tom, we need you to like, become the uh, FTC, CMA, Microsoft acquisition of Ac- Activision bitch, you know, we need you to do that for like, the next year and a half of your life that poor man like so shout out to all the all the guys out there in 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 the media that are actually like being tasked with following this stuff to the to the highest degree because man that if i don't know i don't give a shit man <laughs> who cares just let this deal be over with so uh yeah i mean before before this update just happened i was prepared to be like yeah it looks like this deal is probably gonna happen looks like within the coming days this deal is gonna be finalized they gotta figure some shit out with the british people but that's about it Uh, But now, nope, who who knows? Uh, I'm sure by the time this podcast goes live, either Thursday or Friday, we'll have an update on what the timeline looks like and what's going to change. Although I guess uh, the, 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 uh, the, the court district could deny them of the appeal. I don't know if that's how that works or if they or if they have to address it or adhere to it or if it's like the process of getting that appeal enacted. It just takes so long that Microsoft could basically slip one past the goalie, but we'll find out in due time. We don't have to speculate and talk about how Sony fans are dumb. We can just wait 24 hours and Jason Schreier or Tom Warren will give us the update, so fucking, I don't know, candy crush. Uh, yeah, okay, real quick, so we can talk about what's going on with the uh, CMA over in the UK, so... The U.S. Federal Trade Commission reportedly is leaning toward appealing. Nope, we already talked about that, so we don't have to bring that. Let me back up here. Okay, here's the U.K. Uh, the U.K.'s Competition and Market Authority, or the CMA, has agreed to pause legal proceedings with Microsoft and Activision Blizzard with view of uh, to reach an agreement over game company's proposed merger. So, they say, quote, We stand ready to consider any proposal for Microsoft to restructure the transaction in a way that would address the concerns set out for our final report, said a CMA spokesperson. In order to be able to prioritize work on these proposals, Microsoft and Activision have agreed to the CMA uh, that a stay of litigation in the UK would be in the public interest to all parties that have made a joint submission to the Competition Appeal Tribunal to this effect." In its own statement, Microsoft President Brad Smith confirmed that the company had agreed to the CMA's pausing the UK litigation would be the very best way to proceed, saying, quote, after today's court decision in the US, our focus turns back to the UK, where he says, while the ultimate disagreement on the CMA's concerns, we are now considering the transaction might be modified in order to address those concerns in a way that is acceptable to the CMA. So it sounds like reworking the deal in a way that might that might be obnoxious and cumbersome just to appeal to the CMA, um, which, uh, you you know what I should say instead of of just getting so pedantic about it all? I should just say this. Perhaps the most (laughs) egregious part of this entire thing is when you pay close attention to the arguments of the CMA as well as the arguments of the FTC and what it is that they're truly concerned about and what their, like, specific examples and evidence are to support their arguments and their concerns and their fears. The funniest part of it all is, like, How insanely stupid these people sound. Like, we all had to sit around and go through all this bullshit. Because why? Because you guys can't fucking understand that no one cares about cloud streaming? Why? We all just sit around and figure out, you know, wait for another appeal and another response and another couple days and another couple weeks. Because why? Because the FTC is too fucking stupid to do a little bit of legwork to get some, like, expert on the ground floor to, like, get someone in their roster of people. Like, dude, games are enjoyed by... Millions and millions of people. Gaming is the most profitable entertainment industry in the entire world, and these fucking agencies and, and regulators in the UK and in the US can't fi- can't can't do enough goddamn legwork to find a single fucking person in their roster who plays games, who knows enough about video games, who has enough of a of a finger on the on the pulse of the games industry to like cobble together some kind of coherent and cogent argument to actually. Give Microsoft something to fight back on? I mean, like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? Gotta rework it. Why? Because this stupid cloud shit that nobody's good at and that nobody cares about and that might one day potentially be a big deal? Listen, man, it's Microsoft. I can tell you as someone who's followed Microsoft loosely on and off for the past, like, 10, 15 years, whatever the fuck it's been... Here's what you need to know about Microsoft. They're going to go balls to the walls on one idea and say, this is the future. This is where we want to throw our money and our attention. And then they're going to give up on that fucking thing because that's what they do. They're like Google, okay? So you know what's going to happen with cloud streaming for Microsoft more than likely? They're gonna give up on it in a few years. It's gonna go the way of Windows Phone. It's gonna go the way of Surface Phone. It's gonna go the way of uh, the, the fucking uh, uh, Windows X. Remember when Windows X was uh, revealed a few years ago, and then that got canned quietly? It's like everything Microsoft does. It's just gonna go in the fucking garbage can because people aren't going to take to it, and then we will move on. It's gonna be like it's gonna be like fucking Cortana, the voice assistant Cortana. You know. Were we afraid that that was going to take over the world? That everyone's going to stop using Siri and Google Voice Assistant because uh, because Microsoft put Cortana on Windows Phone or some bullshit like that? It's it's Microsoft we're talking about. It's cloud gaming, dude. This thing's been around for like three or four years. It's it the technology is pretty cool, pretty impressive, and it's basically useless ninety nine percent of the time. Who gives a shit? <laughs> we well, Microsoft is here because they want to they want to have Candy Crush and Call of Duty, okay? <laughs> like what, what? Why? Why do we have to restructure the whole deal? Because you guys are worried about a hypothetical scenario in the future that may or may not happen, where Microsoft actually finds success in cloud streaming and then dominates the entire industry because they acquired Activision back in twenty thirteen or twenty twenty three rather. So I don't, I don't whatever, man. Uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna fight this battle, God, at least at least you know at least whatever. Oh yeah, there's one more update with the CMA. Um, <clears throat> they also. Uh, warned that they may need to carry out a fresh investigation into the planned merger with Activision. The watchdog of the CMA said that they are ready to consider any proposals Microsoft may have for restructuring the transaction in a way that would address their concerns, Uh, but in a follow-up statement provided to Bloomberg this week, the regulator said that restructuring the deal proposed uh, could require a fresh investigation altogether, saying merging parties don't have the opportunity to put forward new remedies once a final report has been issued. They can't choose to restructure the deal, or they can choose to restructure. The deal, which can lead to a new merger investigation, said the spokesperson. Microsoft and Activision have indeed indicated that they have considered how the transaction might be modified, and the CMA is prepared to engage with them on that basis. These discussions remain as an early stage, and the nature of the timing of the next steps will be determined in due course. Basically, what they're saying is if Microsoft and Activision bend the knee to us, restructure the entire deal in a way that they think will appeal to us and get us to approve the deal, we will restart the entire investigation from square one and go through the entire thing with a fine fine fine-tooth comb from stem to stern over a long period of time based on the new restructuring of the acquisition, which I guess makes sense if you're going to request something like that. That's the only way you should respond to that so they're doing their job correctly. But again, it's like... You're just being pedantic in drawing out this whole process over something you're just displaying consistently that you're absurdly ignorant on. I, I dude, one of, the, one of the saddest realizations of, of being an adult is like, oh, so like the government and, and, and the people that run these corporations are just highly incompetent man children. Who just happen to have a lot of money and litigation power, so they come across in a way that seems intimidating and serious and mature and intelligent, but like they're just they're fucking idiots. Like I don't I don't, dude, you're taking Microsoft to task, and you can't even do enough legwork to figure out a good enough argument to get people to be on your side the first time around, and now we gotta delay this whole fucking thing and drag it across the floor between the CMA and the FTC all because none of these people have enough brain cells to figure out an argument that actually matters. I mean, goddamn. But yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's where we are. Again, I'm not taking Microsoft's side. I'm not taking the side of any of these regulators. I just, I just, I hate everything about this deal. It sucks, you know? When this was announced a year and a half ago, I was like, oh, cool, exciting. This will be a crazy shakeup for the industry. Not sure that I love this this way we're headed, but this is a crazy shakeup, and it'll be cool to see what Microsoft will do you know, when they're in control of the various Activision teams and IP. That'll be interesting to see. We went from that to like, fucking shoot me. <laughs> Is this over? Oh my God. <laughs> Sega should have said yes, because then that we could have had a lot less of a of a headache trying to acquire some other publisher. But anyway, that's where we are today. Again, I just I just I don't want to do the further conjecture thing because we don't know how any of this ends up. And, and like I said, by the time this podcast goes live, we could have serious updates. So, like, no, it doesn't matter. The uh, court struck it down, and Microsoft's going to go ahead and finish up the acquisition, you know, whatever, regardless of the fact. So, fuck you. It is what it is. So, that's where we're going to leave it this week. Hopefully, next week, we, um, we're we at the tail end of it, and we don't have to talk about it. Although, I think 24 hours ago, we all felt like we were at the tail end of it. And then, as of um, as of about 45 minutes ago, we now are in yet another situation. So, we'll, we'll see. Whatever. All right, we got some other stories to talk about. Two quick ones, but they're not related to Activision Blizzard and buying and CMA and all that. So we can talk about video games for a second. This is cool. From VGC, Microsoft have announced a new reporting feature for the in-game voice chat for in-game voice chats on Xbox consoles. It allows players to capture up to sixty seconds of audio clips and report inappropriate voice activity. Uh, on any multiplayer title with in-game voice chat on Xbox Series and Xbox One. Starting this week, the safety feature will be rolled out to the Xbox Insiders for testing before being publicly available later. "Quote: When we looked at the next important step in our safety innovation, our team targeted in-game chat because it's often a place where players have the highest opportunity to interact with players outside of their friend network, said Dave McCarthy, corporate VP of Xbox Player Services. He adds, Reactive voice reporting on Xbox is designed to be quick and easy to use with minimal impact on the gameplay. The feature is designed so players can quickly jump back into their game and finalize the report with, before their game is over or when the game is over. Only players who have access to the recorded clips will be able to submit them. Xbox is not saving or uploading any voice clips without you, the player, choosing to report said clip. Uh, McCarthy said clips l- live on players consoles for 24 hours before they are erased automatically. If the report is not submitted, players who do file reports will be notified about whether or not Xbox took action related to the report. I like that last part there. Um So I don't know. I feel like this is in theory, this is something like I support, right? Uh I just feel like we'll have to see kind of how it plays out with something like this existing, because listen, man, I know we all like to goof around and joke around and be nostalgic for like like the old, you know, Oh, halo two old modern warfare two lobbies back in the day. That shit was wild. You know, like just those crazy YouTube compilations of people just saying the most heinous shit, like the most racist, sexist, misogynistic shit you've ever heard in your life. And we all watch the YouTube clips and remember like, Oh my God, people used to talk like this. So flippantly on, on Xbox live. And we laugh about it and stuff because it's just like, I don't, it's like the fucking wild west. It's just ridiculous. But I, I understand. I, I, We are at a point in time where it's like, that's not the nature of how people even use voice chat anymore. The majority of times when people have a headset and a mic on, they're in a party chat with people they actually know. And when it comes to random chat, I just, I I don't know. I feel like the culture and the goofiness and the camaraderie in that time, it's like we had our moment of like the absolute bullshit, horrendous shenanigans. And uh, we can remember it. As fondly or infamously as 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 you may choose to do so, but at the end of the day, I I am for you know listen Microsoft is a private cor- or is a is a well they're publicly tri- traded but they are they are a corporation that has the ability to self regulate um, their own services and products and if, if they want to try and uh, regulate their own chatting ecosystem with an Xbox Live to try and make it a little more. Welcoming to people and to kind of uh, snuff out the, the the bigotry and the hatred and the vitriol and the bullying that takes place, um, then you know what? I it's probably a net benefit. You know, I think <laughs> I think at the end of the day, it's probably more important that everyone feels safe and comfortable, or as many people as possible feel safe and comfortable, hopping on Xbox and popping on a mic, um, then that you know then that it is for us to be able to have just absolute ridiculous uh tick tock and youtube clips of people saying offensive bull- bullshit on xbox so this is a good thing in theory my only concern is the way this could potentially be exploited or used against people or misconstrued and i hope this doesn't become a thing where it's like people are like oh man xbox uh, Xbox is so woke. They just they just ban everyone automatically, and like people don't even say things that are that bad. I hope this doesn't become like a backlash, obnoxious culture war kind of conversation, and that this can just be like a nice tool to help you know protect kids from being bullied, or you know to maybe minimize the inevitable racism and misogyny that happens in you know, in game chat lobbies. Although I I will I will say, as someone who plays a lot of Call of Duty and a lot of Halo. I have not heard that kind of shit in quite a while. It's it's well, actually, that's not true. I just realized. I just realized I, I you're able to turn off lobby chat entirely, so I wouldn't know if I'm being exposed to that because I don't hear the lobby. So I'll have to take that back. Weirdly, Call of Duty is the one and only game I play, where I feel like people even have a headset on in random lobbies. Like I don't even know why anyone would do that in the first place. Like what's the fucking benefit of that anymore? But I, I don't know, whatever. It's it's a good feature. I'm I'm for it if it ultimately ends up being a net positive where it helps to protect, you know, kids a little more from being exposed to inappropriate discussion and if it you know it helps a couple of kids be less bullied and you know, fucking God bless the few women out there on Xbox who venture out into the brave world of not only well, well, I, well, I shouldn't say not only because there's nothing brave about going to play a fucking video game, but the, the brave women who take the plunge into putting on a headset and exposing themselves to randoms because Xbox conver- Xbox live conversations become a totally different realm when people catch on to the fact that there's a female in the in the room. So, God, God bless you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, co- cool feature. It seems like it's going to work kind of seamlessly and easily just being able to record, submit it. um, And the thing I like here is that Xbox will get back with you on whether or not they took action, which I kind of like because there are definitely been times like where I've reported cheaters and stuff like that. Like when you're playing like an older game and like there's definitely people modding or fucking around or just or like when you're when someone's being like an absolute asswipe, just fucking camper ruining the game or something like that. And you're like, fuck you, I'm reporting you for like toxic behavior or like just being an absolute cheater or being a shithead. I I don't do that as much these days, but especially the Xbox 360 days, I feel like I used to get really aggro and report people a lot. And there is something kind of unsatisfying about like, yeah, I reported someone, but no one's ever going to know because there's a 0% chance. Xbox is going to take action. There's a 0% chance that person's ever going to know. I'm the reason why they got in trouble. And therefore it's like, what does it matter? I want this asshole to know that I got him in trouble or something. So to know that at least Xbox will get back with you and let you know whether or not they did something as a result of your submission uh, I think it's kind of cool, so it, it'll at least give you that that gratifying feeling of like some some asshole got reported and reasonably, you know, tr- uh, punished for their shit actions. But here's hoping there's no serious exploits or anything to this because I, I guess I guess what it comes down to is ideally we all want to live in the idealistic world, right? Where there don't have to be rules, there don't there there's no need for regulation, there's no need for mom and dad or big brother or whatever to step in and say, uh, 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 you can't say this. You can't do this. Let me stop you from that. Let me, let me break up the fight here. You know, we all want for that to be the reality of of life is that there's no need for these things and that we can just, uh, comfortably and, and, and be, you know, be rational, mature adults and kind of handle ourselves and handle our, our own qualms and beefs with one another and, and be able to be respectful and kind to one another. Um, but that's not the way it works, and when you add the the shield that is the internet um, to the conversations, it's it's an excuse for people to be absolute shitbags. So, I am in favor overall of this decision because it because people are going to be shitheads regardless, and you need to have some kind of procedure in place to be able to try and stop these guys. So. Kudos to Xbox for trying to do something more about this. Um, I think it seems like a clever and creative solution, and hopefully this leads to a kind of tampering down of of more toxic and offensive behavior on Xbox. But, you know, there's one thing when you're in, like, a party chat with your buddies and you're being absolute dirtbags to one another um, in a more, you know, consensual kind of way, but there's a difference between just being an absolute shithead to strangers. However, I will say um, I actually recently got exposed to some TikTok channel where this guy basically uh does xbox clips where he talks to randoms and like games like call of duty or he's going like vr and doing like roblox or whatever some kind of game whatever the fuck it is and he kind of like trolls randoms in chat but it's like in a wholesome way it's like it's not like using curse words or, or bigoted language or offensive speak it's like just by being a fucking goofball and i'm like you know what Maybe tampering down like this might might encourage people who want to troll and be and be assholes online to at least be more creative with their comedy rather than just being vulgar and edgy, which uh, I think we need to move on from edgy humor. I think edgy humor is kind of a little it's a little it's a little overdone. So maybe uh, I don't know, maybe this could be a good opportunity to change kind of the cultural behavior on Xbox and how we how we try to be dickheads to one another, because being dickheads is an inevitability. It's just a matter of uh, how we choose to be dickheads. So whatever. Cool that this feature is being added. I'll be curious to see how it goes. Also, I'll be curious if there are compilations of like videos where it's like, here's a compilation of people who got suspended from Xbox Live for these clips. You know, like the clickbait. You won't, like, uh, uh, this Xbox Live user got suspended for this 30-second audio clip, and then you click on it, and it's like some guy like, Your mother is unintelligent, and I do not like her. It's like, banned! So I look forward to those clips. Uh, Hopefully we get some good shit out of it. But yeah, whatever. Regulate to appreciate the the, the Xbox Live party chats. And um, there's something else I was trying to say, but it's escaping me. So rather than stalling for time for it to come back to my head, I'm just going to go ahead and move right along with our last story, which is kind of a little touch-up on Clockwork Revolution, the new game. Coming from Inexile Entertainment, that was revealed at the Xbox Showcase last month. From VGC, Clockwork Revolution is a love child of Vampire: The Masquerade and Arca- Arcana. Arcanum. Sorry, I've never said that name right. I've heard it, but I never can say it. Arcanum, uh, according to game director Chad Moore, according last month in by Xbox Game Studios, the time bending steampunk first person RPG is being developed by uh, in Exile Entertainment. Quote. With deep world-building, compelling narrative, crunchy RPG systems, engaging gameplay, massive reactivity, I've always described Clockwork Revolution as the love child of Arcanum Arcanum and Vampire the Masquerade, Moore tweeted earlier in the week. The project's led by game director Chad Moore and principal designer Jason Anderson, who just happened to have created uh, one of the greatest steampunk RPGs of all time, Arcanum. Uh, in Excel studio head Brian Fargo told Xbox Wire when the game was announced, Clockwork revolution, revolution takes place in the vibrant Victoria-era metropolis of Avalon, where the steam train flies overhead, wealthy industrialists replace their limbs with ornate clockwork prosthetics, and mechanical servants fulfill their master's every whim. Quote, But the new age of wonders holds a dark secret. It's been carefully constructed by the ruthless Lady Ironwood, through use of time travel device, she's changed key moments in Avalon's history, keeping working class struggling in the slums of factories while bringing herself immense wealth and power. That's where you come in. Discovering Ironwood's scheme, you'll be able to use the wondrous device known as the Chronometer to travel back in time, choose how to influence the past, and then return to the present to experience the effects of your decisions. Which sounds so fun. All right, so I'll be honest here. Now I know these guys. So so these guys come from. Come from Arcanum and then Vampire the Masquerade, another game made by, I forget the name of the developer, but the original developer, but basically all of these games were made by. Arcanum was originally made by Troika Games which was basically a spin-off of which was a team created of former Interplay guys which are the guys who created uh the Fallout series and then those Interplay guys basically went on to become the guys who do in Exile today and then Vampire the Masquerade was a game made by Nihilistic Software which are a lot of guys who then I mean, they worked with what, like Lucas, Lucas Arts and Activision's shit on this game. So it, it's a lot of old Fallout people who then eventually made their way to other teams and found their way back to In Exile. So there's a lot of these like teams that splintered off from these other teams and worked on all these like PC RPG games back in the day. But they all kind of ultimately make their way back to In Exile. And it's a lot of these IP like like Vampire the Masquerade or Arcanum that don't really have a lot of the history as Xbox games, but do have a lot of history with one another in the PC gaming space. And now all kind of tied back. And so it's kind of cool to get this band back together and have them all here at Exile working together on a high budget, uh, big timeline kind of AAA first person open world RPG style game. And well, not necessarily. We don't know about the open world aspect, but kind of big AAA first person RPG style game. Um, because when you put all these talents together and all these ideas together with the money and the time to get it done exactly the way you want to get it done, you can come out with something that looks as compelling as Clockwork Revolution. And what I love so much about, about this stuff is like, a game like Arcanum or Vampire the Masquerade is a kind of game that would never appeal to me in a million years. It's kind of similar to like uh, these Wasteland games. Like I've tried to play Wasteland 3. Um, I, I do want to try it again, actually. But it's like these kinds of games, it's like I want to get into them. They don't do it for me. They just don't work for me. But you give them the budget, you give them the the, the manpower and the time and everything to make a really fully realized triple-A version of this game. And you make these really beautiful, intricate, compelling, open-world 3D first-person RPG games, kind of like what happened with Fallout, right? Like, Interplay, and these guys make Fallout 1 and 2. Like, these are games I would never play in a million years. But then, Bethesda licenses the IP, and they're like, we want to do Fallout, we want to do, like, a big-budget AAA kind of thing, and then you get Fallout 3, which makes the game a lot more appealing to more casual or or mainstream kind of players, like myself, someone a little more mainstream with their preferences, and you're able to turn fallout into this kind of more niche rpg kind of thing into a more mass marketable like phenomenon of a of an experience and i love that that kind of effect that we were able to see and experience with fallout as it transition from these old kind of more obscure pc-centric top-down rpg style games we get to see a kind of ex- that same kind of story expand with with these kinds of games from the people who created things like Wasteland or like uh, or like what Obsidian's doing by taking the Pillars of Eternity universe and kind of building it out to be something more AAA and open world and first person like Avowed you know taking Pillars of Eternity and making it a more mass marketable consumer friendly kind of product with Avowed and getting to kind of see all these developers and all these talents and all these franchises kind of come into this new light by basically having the resources and the access that Xbox has provided to them it's so exciting because it's like now it's not just Fallout. It's not just Fallout that can be this game that can take this really rich and awesome IP or idea, these talents of these of these PC developers and make it something that's appealing and accessible to all. But it's like these other guys that get to do it too. It's the it's the Interplay guys. It's the NXL guys. It's the, it's all these other you know it's the It's the um, Obsidian guys, and and to watch these games like Clockwork Revolution kind of come to light as a result of, as a culmination of all these years and all these games and all these IP that have come and gone and and had their audiences and had their time and now be able to create something like this, I just, it's so exciting because to me it seems like the potential, at least, we don't know, none of these games are out yet, who knows, maybe they all suck, maybe some of them suck, but the potential seems to be in a place where between avowed... Clockwork Revolution, all these, you know, Outer Worlds 2, all these games, it's like, we, we could have a situation on our hands where, like, Xbox is just having, like, Fallout slash Elder Scrolls level, like, rich Western RPG hits one after another, after another, after another, thanks to the resources and the money and the investment in all of these different teams. These are the kinds of exam and it's for these reasons that I feel like, you know, it's like Microsoft has Xbox has acquired in exile Microsoft has acquired obsidian. You know, it's like when you see those investments, those acquisitions, those are the kinds of ones where like I sit on the sidelines. And I'm like, yeah, I'm cheering this on. I think that's fucking awesome because we get to see these guys, have the resources and the money and the opportunity to do things like this, to take the the, the history of building things like like Arcanum, like Vampire Masquerade, like Wasteland, uh, Wastelanders or whatever, and then be like, okay, now we want to do something bigger, something more ambitious, something more open, something more AAA, and, and you get Clockwork Revolution. That's why these things excite me, is because games like this would not exist without that acquisition of Obsidian, without that acquisition of in exile, and so that's why these things have me really excited, whereas, you know, the Activision stuff is just... Call of Duty's gonna be Call of Duty, whether Microsoft owns it or Activision owns it. The only difference is we all get to have hemorrhaging in our brains while we wait for all these regulators and Microsoft executives to go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth for a year and a half, so that's the difference between the Activision deal and stuff like this. This is why this stuff gets me excited, why I'm like, I'm here talking to you about video games and why I'm like, ooh, I can't wait for Clockwork Revolution because this is something that is fundamentally existing and coming to light and, and tantalizing and, and just so so interesting because Microsoft invested in Exile and now we're getting this as a result of that and that's so cool. So I think this game sounds awesome. It sounds really cool to see that you're getting all this talent together. Now because I am a complete layman who has no experience with these games I did post some quotes and some Some excerpts from these Wikipedia pages to kind of describe a little bit about what these games are because while I know there are people listening to the podcast who absolutely have familiarity and experience with games like Arcanum or Vampire the Masquerade, there are a lot more people probably like me who have no experience with these games and therefore... Might be totally lost as to what the significance of saying, oh, yeah, a game like Clockwork Revolution is very inspired by. It. It's the love child between a game like Arcanum and a game like Vampire the Masquerade. And, you know, a lot of people like me who might be like, well, I'm that's lost on me as to what that might mean. So to give you guys a little bit of context, a little bit of idea, of like some of the things that these games feature and we're known for and what that, you know, how we can glean from that some kind of idea of what Clockwork Revolution might might entail in terms of its its gameplay and its feature set and it's and what it's going for um so I, I wrote these bullet points down so real quick just to backtrack a little bit they say clockwork revolution you know they talk about this this uh, cro- uh chronometer uh which is basically this time travel mechanic that you'll be able to use to go back in time and change events of history to try and like help the working class overcome the the ruling class and this like really cool like class-based story that they're trying to tell clockwork revolution sounds so cool steampunk. with the future alternate reality with a fucking ornate prosthetics of these I I don't know that it looks so it sounds like sounds like Fucking Bioshock meets um, meets Fallout, and it just looks so cool. But to give you an idea, so like you, you you've gotten the tonal trailer for Clockwork Revolution that we saw a month ago, and, you, and we had these little excerpts of like kind of what's happening generally in the world, and now we're gonna go through these other games, to see kind of like a little bit of what they had gameplay-wise, and use that to kind of glean on maybe what what a game like Clockwork Revolution might have in terms of gameplay. So Arcanum uh, a couple things I wrote down: the game is a uh, gameplay, obviously it's an R- it's isometric top-down RPG style game uh, where you travel through game worlds, visiting locations, interacting with local inhabitants in real time. Players may choose to solve um, quests in the order in which they acquire them, uh, spend special items, experience points, or gain new followers. Uh, many quests offer multiple solutions to players. So players are able to complete quests depending on the order and the in the way in which they choose to do so, depending on their play style, which may consist of combat, persuasion, thievery, or bribery. If this sounds like an like a Bethesda game, uh, maybe, you know, you, you see that kind of what I'm saying about taking something like Fallout and, and making it into like Fallout 3, the Fallout that we know, and kind of doing that with stuff like this. Um, another Other features of Arcanum players when they encounter hostiles, um, we'll be able to use stealth or dis- or diplomacy in order to um, handle combat situations in which they can either engage um, in real time or via turn based Although I think Clockwork Revolution will be very much real time. Combat modes include uh, real time turn base and faster versions of turn base combat skills, allow player characters to choose from melee weapons, uh, throwing weapons, archery, firearms, and a variety of certain damages inflicting spells in the school magic from the school of magic. Um, I think we could ex- expect guns and melee weapons and other things like that. in clockwork revolution as well. Um, as for vampire, the Masquerade, a couple things I wrote down, uh, heavy emphasis on melee weapons, um, uh, role playing presented in a third person perspective, although we'll be getting first person and clockwork, um, uh, playable, f- uh, nope never mind game follows a linear mission-based structure for a game like vampire the masquerade i'm expecting and kind of hoping that's more of what we get uh, for clockwork revolution is more of the linear mission-based structure as opposed to uh, Arcanum's more follow the quest in whatever order you want and and approach them in any style you want. Uh, I I like the whole approach in any style you want, kind of like Dishonored or something like that, but I do prefer for it to be more linear in terms of the order in which the missions are doled out to you. Uh, I also wrote down or copied down, characters have defense, neutral, or offensive combat modes, so it seems like between the two games, there's this emphasis on like how you want to approach combat scenarios. So you can assume that's probably something we're going to see in Clockwork Revolution where there's definitely gonna be an approach, like the ability to approach combat in different ways, where it's like you can do stealth, you can probably do melee, you can probably do firearm weapons, or you could probably try to talk your way out of things. I assume it will be very Fallout in that way, where you might be able to engage in conversations and throw your skill points towards um, like persuasion, things like that, and be able to talk, smooth talk your way out of tight situations, instead of having to fight all the time. Um, Various combat disciplines with upgrades, more powerful versions, which give you other uh, benefits that will help you in other aspects of the game. Disciplines can allow players to mesmerize an enemy or potential feeding victim, rendering characters invisible to escape detection, turn characters into mist, summon serpents to attack enemies, heal revive and other uh, allies and teleport to a haven. So those are other abilities and gameplay features of Vampire the Masquerade which, um, you can, again, you can assume that uh, investing in different kinds of play styles will give you different kinds of abilities throughout the game that will help you play the game and enjoy it in different ways, so lots of ways to approach gameplay. Seems to be a a clear and concise way to describe things that we'll probably see in Clockwork Revolution as well as multiple combat scenarios as well as kind of a way to just approach combat in in a lot of creative ways so it seems like those are the overarching themes that both games have in common that we'll probably see as Clockwork Revolution is a quote-unquote love child of those two games so gives you a little more of what to expect obviously no that's confirmed that's just me trying to deduct based on what is similar between a game like Arcanum and a game like Vampire the Masquerade and see how those similarities might create a love child for a game like Clockwork Revolution. I for one am super excited. Clockwork Revolution to me, what I'm exciting what I'm expecting is something of a, something of like a, a Bioshock meets Fallout type game. Uh, maybe more like a Bioshock meets, meets uh, Dishonored meets, meets Fallout type experience. And if this game ends up being some kind of love child between those three games, um, you know, by by way of being a love child between these other games we've already mentioned here i feel like we have a really really special game potentially on our hands and i'm just really excited for in exile i'm really excited to see this team kind of Come into something new and be a A first-party team, and and deliver something that we've never been able to see from these creative talents who have been in the industry for so long. You gotta think about these games are old games. We're talking about games that came out in the '90s, based on board games that came out in the '80s, um, that were early like Windows 98 games and shit like that. Like we're talking about old games. We're talking about veterans of the industry who have contributed to gaming for a long ass time, longer than the Xbox has been around. So to get those great talents on board at Xbox and give them the tools and the ability to, to be able to really flourish and and, and show off their season skills to the maximum potential, I think it's going to result in us getting really, really excellent first-party console-exclusive, unique games that you wouldn't be able to find anywhere else. And that's that's going to be the special sauce to me that's going to make Xbox continue to stand out and be special. You know, it's not, it's not getting Call of Duty. It's not allowing it to stay on PlayStation or getting it on Game Pass or exclusive this or time. I don't give a shit about any of that. I want really cool, unique games that Xbox was able to enable and create as a result of their resources and their investments. Their savvy and enlightened investments by way of having close relationships with really compelling developers and really compelling teams who have a lot of potential, who show a lot of promise and are able to bolster the Xbox platform through their excellent, excellent games. And a game like Clockwork Revolution looks like it is going to be that. Maybe it's not... Lots of games look good and then end up disappointing. I'm looking at you, Redfall. But maybe this is what it looks like, which is something that is truly special. And this is the kind of stuff... This, These kinds of stories, this kind of news, this is why Xbox non-exist, just to be clear. Because this stuff gets me excited. This stuff inspires me. This stuff makes me excited about games. It makes me want to play video games. It makes me want to celebrate video games. It makes me want to talk about, think about video games. This fucking FTC CMA appealing the court's ruling on... Fucking mobile developer King being part of Xbox. Don't give a shit. Don't care. million other YouTube channels, podcasts out there that can tell you all about the armchair fucking lawyering that they've been doing over the past year, but I don't give a shit about any of that. Whatever happens, happens. All those corporations and government officials can go uh, stick their thumbs right up their assholes. I will be patiently waiting to play Clockwork Revolution because that game looks fucking badass. Sounds so good. And in the meantime... Speaking of excellent Western open world RPGs that I cannot wait to get my hands on, we're just a mere two months away, not even, from Starfield coming out, so we're about to see some really good exclusive Xbox shit come to light, so looking forward to that. Guys, it's going to do for all of our news this week, let's round out real quick, a couple quick stories, stories important enough to make the uh, podcast, but not important enough to make their own discussion. Uh, coming all from VGC, the only website I know of. ID at Xbox Demo Fest has returned this year with 20 playable demos that will be available on Xbox for next week. You can go on there from now until until the 17th to try out a, li- a list of games that were uh, shown at the ID at Xbox Showcase. And, uh, yeah, so check out check it out if you want to support some indie games. Find some cool new games to try out through this demo program. Another one here is Assassin's Creed Codename Red. Could be targeting a 2024 release date, according to a LinkedIn post earlier in the year. Ubisoft business developer and brand part uh, partnership executive Arisa la said that the company was looking for a japanese partner to work on the biggest blockbuster 2024 so hopefully next year that will be our japanese open world assassin's creed game that people have been looking forward to forever next up a remake of need for speed most wanted could be coming next year according to a voice actor and a since deleted social media post uh simon bailey who voiced a character in the original game claimed that a remake has been in the works and will be released next year in 2024 in the post Ba- uh, Bailey uh, targets, uh, sorry, tagged Criterion Games, seemingly suggested that EA Studios is involved in the project. It's worth noting that Bailey is likely referring to the 2005 Need for Speed Most Wanted, in which she appeared in, not the version that was released in 2012. It's funny because I never played the 2005 one that people liked a lot. I only played the 2012 one that not a lot of people talked about, but I thought that game was pretty damn good. But, uh, dude, just do Need for Speed Underground. It's the one everyone wants. I understand Need for Speed Most Wanted was popular, it was liked, but. Underground 1 and 2 are the games people miss, so why do we not just do Underground already? Stop dancing around it, I just played Need for Speed Unbound the other week, it's fine, it's clearly inspired by Need for Speed Underground, can we just do Need for Speed Underground instead of teasing? Please. Next up, Activision has detailed Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2's Warzone Two Season 4 Reloaded launching on July 12th, and uh, which is today, the damn recording this, so Season 4 Reloaded is available now and... With that comes a bunch of new features, including a crossover with the TV show The Boys, where one of the characters from the show will be featured as a skin in the game. Players will also be able to play Season 4's Raid, which I, I can't wait because these raids are so good. So I need to play that. Next up, Hitman developer IO Interactive has opened up a new studio in Brighton, England. The independent developers published said court uh, has said that the core team at IO Interactive Brighton uh, is already on place with contributing to all the games in active de- development. So right now they're kind of on support work, but I assume one day they'll probably go on to do something else. The cover star of the first EA Sports FC game is seemingly leaked. Remember, that is the new FIFA replacement. Basically, data Miner Billy Bill Bil- Kun- uh, has said that the excellent track has stayed an ex- started an excellent track record for product leaks and claimed that EA Sports FC 24 will be released on September 29th and that the cover star is likely going to be is going to be Manchester City star Erling Hal- Halad and he will reportedly appear on the box of the standard edition of the game when it releases in September. Finally. Street Fighter from VGC, Street Fighter VI's DLC for, uh, first DLC character, Rashid, will join the game later in the month. He'll be available um, to anyone who owns the Year One Character Pass, and it'll come out on July 24th. So if you're a, a uh, Street Fighter 6 fan, you're getting your first character in just a little bit here. But guys, that's going to do it for all of our news this week. Thank you so much for listening. Real quick, let's round out our podcast as we do each and every week. With our comments, shout outs from over on youtube.com slash Xbox on Podcast or at Xbox on Podcast. We can leave a comment each and every week, say anything you please, and I will read it on the show, whether it's nice, mean, or somewhere in between, as well as leaving comments on YouTube. Please be sure to rate the show five stars on podcast services if that's how you choose to consume the show. iTunes, preferably, because that will really help get the show out there. And if you're not planning on leaving any review higher, or yeah, if you're not planning on leaving a review, uh, 5 stars or more, which I don't think any podcast service lets you do more than 5 stars. But anyway, if you're planning on leaving a review, anything less than 5 stars, basically, you can just go ahead and keep your comments to yourself. I don't fucking want your feedback. I got enough constructive criticism from my dog, from my girlfriend, from my boss. You think I need your constructive feedback? That will simply crush me. I already have a soft, soft shell. I'm a soft man with a big ego. And if you tell me all the ways in which my podcast is not good enough, you will simply crush me and I will crumble like the weak, weak man that I am. So please leave a five-star review and nothing less. And to get back to our comments, let's start out this week in no particular order with the four comments we got. Well, three comments we got, three commenters, four comments. Starting with Kronky, who says, "Okay, so Xbox wins the court case, and it sounds like the deal was stuck with the CMA. So I'm going to get my Singularity back in Pat soon. In all seriousness, what are you most looking forward to as a result of this? I imagine it's just that you can stop talking about this. Well, this comment hasn't aged well because we can't stop commenting about this. But yes, if I'm trying to look past that part and just say, when this is all done, uh, assuming that the deal goes through, what is it that I'm most looking forward to? Honestly." It is ho- the hopeful potential that they will give some kind of creative freedom to some of these support teams that work on Call of Duty to go be real developers. I'm talking about Raven, I'm talking about Toys for Bob, I'm talking about all these, like, Beanox and all these guys. Like, I, dude, Beanox made some badass Spider-Man games, you know? Toys for Bob, they should be making Spyro and Crash games that, or, or some other kind of... Kitty all-ages platformer type game. Uh, Fucking do a fucking Crash Bandicoot crossover Spyro Spyro crossover Banjo-Kazooie game. I don't give a shit. Actually, let Toys for Bob make a fucking Banjo-Kazooie game. There. I solved last week's problem. Boom. Um, That's what I'm looking forward to, though. I just, yeah, come on, man. Like, let let some of these guys do something else. Uh, And also, here's what you should do with Call of Duty. Master Chief Collection for Call of Duty. You make two of them. The master, the, the master Chief, <laughs> the Modern Warfare Collection, and the Black Ops Collection. It is a platform for Black Ops and a platform for Modern Warfare that has all the campaigns, all the best multiplayer maps, all thrown into one beautiful multiplayer suite, so I can enjoy all the best Call of Duties ever in one online master place, ecosystem, whatever the fuck it is I'm trying to say. I would love that. So those are the two things I would like to see. Uh, But I'd be curious to know what else you guys would want to see. Uh, Cronky also says haven't listened uh, to the show yet, but no, I don't think Banjo Kazooie should come back. Ukulele did poorly, so question. So I have questions as to. so the question as to have this already been done is answered or whether or not the audience would demand it. Well, ukulele was also apparently disappointing, so that's part of why it didn't do well. But yes, you said, I have now listened, and I don't think that there should be a new Banjo-Kazooie game even after listening. So fair enough, but I think Toys for Bob should make Banjo-Kazooie because that would be fun. Um, they've done a great job of Spyro. They've done a great job of Crash. Let's see what they can do with Banjo-Kazooie. That is where I'm putting my money. Although I don't think it will happen. I think it would be a really fun idea. So, hey, there you go. That's, that's my input. Now, next up... Mr. Mike Clark writes in and says, Great episode. Thanks again, Jesse. Sarah Bond maybe gets into a Smash Bros. on the next Nintendo console. Would be so cool for Game Pass to be on Switch 2. I just imagine Jim Ryan's emails. Yes, um, Jim Ryan would just have a fucking field day. He'd just complain and kick and scream, and then we would get some internal email leak where he'd just be like, Um, we don't give a shit. We're better than Nintendo and Xbox combined plus ice cream. We don't care. And then uh, we'd show that to the CMA, and we'd show it to the FTC, and they'd be like, See? See Jim Ryan's email? This is why we had to put a stop to Xbox. And Xbox would be like, What do you mean? We're just trying to put gamers at the center of the entire goddamn universe. Even though the core of the earth is piping hot, it's lava in the core of the earth, we want to take gamers and put them in the fucking core of the earth where it's lava uh, because we love gamers so much. And then the government will be like, uh, let's spend all day talking about this and just neglect the fact that there are starving children because that would be a real problem and we don't like to focus on those. And then I would blow my brains out and that's how that would happen. So Mike Clark, thanks for writing in. Um, We went down memory lane and we talked about all that and uh let's get to our final comment of the week which which, which comes from mr mag who says well now that Microsoft has defeated the FTC in court we can celebrate with New York pizza and banjo three well mr mag the only thing I'll say is it's a good thing that pizza tastes good as leftovers. Pizza tastes delicious when it's cold because y- you may have ordered the pizza, but we can't celebrate with it quite yet. So put it back in the fridge and wait another couple days because the FTC and the CMA got to wank, as the British would say, wank off on Microsoft about all the uh, the cloud streaming monopolies that they're creating. So um, not quite yet ready for the New York pizza time, uh, but Banjo 3 I'm going to stand by my idea I just came up with just right now. I love this idea. Let's do fucking Toys for Bob, Banjo-Kazooie game. Make it fucking happen. Phil Spencer, I know you listen to the show. I know you listen. You're afraid to admit it. Maybe you've never talked about it. Maybe your phone just so happens to not have this podcast in its history whatsoever in any way, shape, or form. But I have a hunch that I'm willing to take a bet on that you listen to this podcast. I know you fucking do. Make Banjo-Kazooie, developed by Toys for Bob, happen. I'll be waiting right here. Thank you, Mr. Philly. All right, guys, and that is going to do it for our podcast this week. You guys, thank you all so much for listening. Sorry if it sounds exhausted and just so downtrodden and just negative about if I sound that way about this whole deal. But, man, I, I, I cannot fake excitement. You know, I don't do this podcast for the money. This podcast doesn't make me any money. I haven't become a big content creator as a result of doing this podcast. I do an Xbox podcast for one reason, one reason only. I enjoy getting to talk about this gaming platform and ecosystem that I love with a group of people who listen and respond and comment in who feel similarly, I love talking to you guys. I love hearing your opinions. I love knowing that you listen. I know I, I love knowing that you enjoy the podcast. I enjoy your feedback. I enjoy your criticism. I enjoy your engagement. And that's what this podcast is all about. It's us having an open dialogue about the world of Xbox, the happenings of Xbox. And the past year and a half with this Activision deal have been the most eye-watering, eye-glazed, just-fucking-shoot-me-in-the-skull board I have ever been with video games. It is so painful. I would rather sit and play Persona 5 for 102 hours just to roll the credits than have to sit here and talk about the CMA and the FTC and Sony and Microsoft and the Activision deal for one more minute. It's so insanely mind-numbingly lame it's interesting in a way right because when we see the court filings we get to see all these emails and get all this juicy detail as to like how these companies are talking to and about each other behind the scenes like we got a few weeks ago that shit's genuinely interesting don't get me wrong i love that because it gives us so much insight into how the industry works and how these companies view and treat each other and what's really happening that's cool But when it's just the courtroom talk of like some fucking British twat being like, I I think that Microsoft has a monopoly, they do. And then some guy in America is like, well, clearly what's happening here is um, at this this current point in time, Microsoft is going to have a monopoly on Call of Duty, which I'm familiar with because my 14-year-old son can't get out of his bedroom and start smoking pot long enough to tell his old man that he loves him. And so I know Call of Duty because it's the game that's been raising my boy. And for that reason alone, we got to keep it available on PlayStation, even though no one's trying to take it away from PlayStation. And I'm sitting here saying, wow, this fucking sucks. This is like this is like if I was like, let's do an Xbox podcast. But instead, I just have to listen to like my fucking middle school teachers tell me about what's happening in the world of Xbox. And I'm sitting there with my mind melting because I'm like, wow, you really you really don't know what a teraflop is, you stupid piece of shit. And anyway. Thank you for listening. Thank you for thank you all for endearing. Because this isn't it's not just me. I'm not the only one here who has had to endear this. I'm sure all of you who have so who follow Xbox related news on social media, who are slightly engaged, who follow other Xbox podcasts and YouTube channels and gaming media outlets, this is it's inescapable. It's inescapable. We can't just sit down for a second and be excited about Starfield and Clockwork Revolution and Avowed and all these awesome games that are coming to Xbox. Because y- the only thing that's a tie that is tied to Xbox when you search up that word on the Internet, FTC, CMA, Activision, Blizzard, Nikon controllers, whatever. I don't fucking know. It's just nonsense. It's, it's garbage, it's boring, and I cannot wait for it to be over. We're getting there, guys. Stay, stay strong. Hold in. Hang on tight, because when it's over. You know, I'll send each and every one of you guys a a fucking prepackaged box of Klondike bars, original flavor, and I'll ship them directly to your house. Each and every one of you guys, you all deserved a Klondike bar um, for your amazing patience and uh just your participation in the show so thank you all for listening thank you all for supporting hope you each have a wonderful week uh if you're looking to spoil yourself with some trashy food head on over to taco bell try the crispy chicken taco or the volcano menu it's not bad you won't regret it that that much i can promise you and uh until next week take care be safe treat each other with kindness and respect play some good video games eat some delicious food and until then power your dreams